This is the Troll Patrol. Live. With Justin. Freaking. Well, shit is being really weird tonight. Okay, there's there's the chat. It is appearing on screen now. Things are things are being weird. Poor Lord, say something so I know that the chat's working. I've been um I've been working on some shit, so I was playing with the chat last night. Welcome, we're on early. We're getting ready to do the gubernatorial debate in Georgia, Democratic challenger Stacey Abrams who was within two points of Brian Kemp in the polls debating Republican incumbent Brian Kemp in the gubernatorial race in Georgia directly after we will be watching the Ohio Senate debate be taking place at the same time we'll be watching a replay of it It will be directly after the Georgia gubernatorial race. We will be watching an open seat. Congressman Tim Ryan is the Democratic nominee for the Senate in Ohio. That is Rob Portman's old seat. J.D. Vance, the Republican nominee. Also a close race in Ohio for the open Senate seat. I'm trying to keep an eye on commercials for Twitch. I'm going to go ahead and run them right now. And then hopefully you will not have a commercial break during the debate. You won't have any commercials if you are a subscriber to the Twitch. Which many of you are now, thanks to uh, Tones giving out all those gift subs the other day. Another big thank you to Tones. Oh, that's why. That's what's going on with the... the. Okay, 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 okay. I know what's up with the chat now. I can fix this. Because once again, I've been working on some stuff, so I was playing with the chat the other night. Or last night. Here we go. Chat ready to go. In just moments, we're going to head over to... I believe it's the Fox affiliate in Georgia who is going to be carrying the debate live. I don't have any news for you tonight. We're just going to do the two debates and I'm going to get the fuck out of here because I'm tired. And I'm certainly not high enough for this shit right now. What is up, girl of the gray? Welcome. Here's your meme of the day. We need to get to it here real fast before we go over to the coverage of the Georgia debate. Remember, rule number one in communism is you can't have an iPhone. You have an iPhone, not allowed to critique the capitalist system. Oh no, despite the fact that Soviets were the ones that invented cellular technology, and even the satellites that the cell phones bounce off of, still, rule number one of communism, Marx is telling you right there, no iPhone. Looks like somebody drew a dick on his hand too, kind of. No, actually, it looks kind of like a hammer and a sickle. Maybe I'm just, it's like a Rorschach test or something. I'm just seeing shit in Marx's hand hair. (laughs) (laughs) I am not high enough for this shit. 
Uh, here we are. This is 11 Alive out of Georgia. We're going to take their coverage here in just a few moments. The gubernatorial debate between Democratic challenger Stacey Abrams. This is her second time running for governor. She almost won in 2018. She lost to now Governor Brian Kemp. Is the Republican incumbent in the governor's race in Georgia. But nobody, nobody wants to look at that bright red deteriorating breaking on the screen. Once again, during the debates, I'm going to try to lay out as much as possible. I'll make little quips here and there. I might try to insert myself while a moderator is talking. I may put some shit up on the screen if we have to if we have to fact check a candidate, we might put some shit up on the screen. As we have done with the previous debates. Also we have more debates this week. Let me check out the schedule. Tomorrow night. Val Demings, the Democratic challenger, will debate Marco Rubio in the Florida Senate race. That is tomorrow night. We'll be watching that. On Wednesday night, Michael Bennett, Democratic incumbent. The Colorado Senate race will be debating Joe O'Day. The Republican challenger. Earlier I said he was was a Trump-backed challenger. He is now trying to distance himself from Trump, so... We'll see how that goes. And if we get a debate in the Nevada Senate race, Republican Adam Laxalt challenging Democratic incumbent Catherine Cortez Mastro. We will indeed take that. It's going to be October 20th. It'll be later this week if it happens. If it happens. Looking like it may very well not happen. Once again, we're waiting for 11 Alive out of Georgia to begin their coverage of the Georgia gubernatorial debate happening here in just moments. If you're watching on Twitch, I went ahead and uh, hit the commercial break, so you should get the entire debate commercial free. Directly following the Georgia gubernatorial debate, we are going to be watching the Ohio Senate debate between J.D. Vance and Tim Ryan. Now, these two debates are taking place at the same time. We will watch the Ohio Senate debate directly after on tape delay. We should be going to the auditorium for the gubernatorial debate in Georgia. Anytime now, 11 Alive, out of Georgia. Guys, hurry up and come on so I can stop vamping. (laughs) I want to get high. I'm not high enough for this shit. I'm not awake enough for this shit, possibly. Now, guys, you only have an hour, so can we... Yeah, let's get this underway. Oh, no, that was my, that was one of my graphics, not, not their graphic. Let's get this underway because you've only got an hour. we got a lot of questions to ask. 
Foles showing a tight race. Brian Kemp up by two points. Two points, 47% to Stacey uh, Abrams, 45%. Any second now. Any second now. Seriously, guys, these are only hour-long debates. We need to be... Need to be studious here with our time. Here we go, here we go. Banning assault Please weapons. You're on the side of public opinion in each of these issues. Yet, to start the debate, you are behind each in almost will be every poll. Wow. Candidates have First of all, thank seconds. you so much for having me. I appreciate question. the opportunity to address to the, the community question. of Georgia. Guys, guys. Stacey Abrams. Thank the you, reason Donna. people are on Ms. my Abrams, side are because, because I'm on the right state. side of history and on the right side of the issues. The right but abortion. we also know... Oh, I should have went from their uh, their website. Yeah, that's on them, not me. And left out of the conversation. Here we go. Students who have found themselves... Oh, guys, guys, you're killing me. So this is their YouTube. I'm going to go to their website and see if we can... Uh... And the debates aren't nope, over nope, yet. Nope, 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 nope. They're having trouble all the way around. They're having trouble on their website, too. Um, uh, maybe I should have taken the, uh, the Senate race live in Ohio. Jesus, Jesus, guys. Eleven Alive really dropping the ball here. Oof. to do about this things that our Georgia families are facing right now quite honestly because of bad policies in Washington DC from President Biden and the Democrats that have complete control and thankfully working with the Georgia General Assembly we've been able to work to help give some relief to people despite what's happening in Washington like giving a income tax credit back to our citizens cutting taxes also suspending the gas tax for since March now, $800 million of relief for our hardworking citizens. So that is what my focus has been on, and it's what it will continue to be on. Thank you very much, Jennifer Bellamy. Your question for Shane Hazel. 
Mr. Hazel, Georgia seems to be struggling right now in dealing with how to legally take on the issue of cannabis in the state. What do you think needs to be done here? How should oh, we got a libertarian eh? surrounding marijuana? I guess a perfect question for a libertarian. Um, we believe that cannabis is a plant that grows from Earth naturally. And the hubris that the federal government has shown in making a Schedule One drug while also holding patents on it is one of those things where we find it somewhat laughable. And it is. It is a right of people. It is medicine. It is something so who wants to take bets on whether he brings up Georgia age of consent during this debate? Really displace a lot of what comes in from outside of Georgia. This is a huge win for Georgia. We have a great agricultural sector. We can grow two bumper crops of cannabis every year. The idea that it is still un- illegal and that Brian Scott Comet, we will be watching the Ohio Senate debate directly after this. This is a good thing when we make cannabis bust and cannabis bust only is a is a real sign that the government in Georgia is using it for the prison industrial complex, for the the law enforcement complex to go after communities that would like to see freedom in this area. So it's a right. That's how we see it as libertarians. Right. Thank you very much. He'd say the same yeah. thing about fucking you kids. Re- you have a rebuttal? Yeah, I would just like to make sure people at home know that I have been doing exactly what I told them I would do when I was campaigning for governor. And now that I am your governor, uh, we have been going after street gangs and drug cartels. So the things that we're tweeting out there is when our great men and women in law enforcement are, are making drug bust, bust, not from recreational use. It's users, a plan. Other things. But, but that's what my focus is on. All right. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Greg, please ask a question of Stacey Abrams. Yeah, Ms. Abrams, in 2018... Hello, before Kemp says fentanyl. And you talked to systemic problems with the state's election system. This election, do you commit to accept the outcome of the vote, regardless of what it shows? And do you stand by your use of words like rigged four years ago to describe the state's election system? In 2018, I began my speech on November 16th, acknowledging that Governor Kemp had won the election. I then proceeded to lay out in grave detail the challenges faced by voters under his leadership as Secretary Secretary of State, State. including the 10 plus two who were arrested in Quitman, Georgia, because they had the temerity to use absentee ballots. I told the story of students who were denied access to the right to vote, even though they had duly registered. 80,000 complaints had come in by that day, and it took four years of federal investigation in a lawsuit that was the longest running voting rights lawsuit in the state's history, in history that proved us right. Now, we didn't win every single claim, but we forced massive changes to the election laws. And unfortunately, Brian Kemp and Brad Raffsenberger have decided to restore their greatest hits. Just today, a homeless woman was denied the right to vote in Forsyth County because she could not, she did not receive a provisional ballot because she had been challenged. As governor, I intend to stand up for the right to vote. I will always acknowledge the outcome of elections, but I will never deny access to every voter because that is the responsibility of every American to defend the right to vote. Thank you, Brian Kemp. 30 seconds. Well, I would just say uh, that Miss Abrams is going to do a lot of attacking of my record tonight because she doesn't want to talk about her own record. In 2018, in the governor's race, we had the largest African-American turnout in the country. She said that Senate Bill 202, our recent Elections Integrity Act, what we passed two years ago, would be suppressive in Jim Crow 2.0. Just this past May in our primaries, we again had record turnout in the Republican primary and the Democratic primary. In Georgia, it's easy to vote and hard to cheat. 
Event. As I said, it is the Streisand effect. You try to keep people from voting, they're going to go do it. We'll push for people to have access to going to the polls and voting. You're not pushing ballot access. This is a huge, a huge oppression for people like the third parties, the people that want to get their people on the ballot. We have, I think, 20 percent Democrats, 20 percent Republicans in the state of Georgia. That leaves 60 percent of people in Georgia unrepresented by ballot access laws that both of them support. 30 seconds, Ms. Abrams. Actually, to correct Mr. Hazel, I co-sponsored legislation to expand ballot access because I agree with you that third parties should have better access to the right to vote in the state of Georgia. Never I co-sponsored it with, a, with one of our independents in the state legislature. But let's be clear about ballot access and voter access. Brian Kemp was the secretary of state, and he has assiduously denied access to the right to vote. We know that the right to vote is the only way we can make the changes we need in the state, the only way we can make the changes we need in this country, whether it's access to the right to an abortion, the ability to take care of our families. We have a libertarian, we a yes. who believes in access to the right to vote right. and not in voter suppression, which is the hallmark of Brian Kemp's leadership. Thank you very much. With, We're with, going to with move all, on. With all due respect, I was called out. I, I would like to just the record reflect as my time as secretary of state, I'm the person that created the online voter registration system in this state where any Georgian can vote, register to vote 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So for someone to say that we have been suppressive in our state when we've seen turnout increase over the years, including with minorities like African-Americans, Latinos and others, is simply not true. And again, Ms. Abrams is going to lie about my record because she doesn't want to talk about her own. All right. We're well, going to move on great. here. And that's the case. We're going to move on here, Mr. Hazel. Uh, Jennifer, your question for Brian Kemp. Governor Kemp, several hospitals and medical centers across the state have announced or gone through with plans to close their doors, leaving a gap in care and a reduction in services at a time when our health care workers are already suffering from burnout, from increased demand and workloads. Many are now facing care that will be delayed or unavailable, while our state's capital will soon have only one level one trauma center. What will you do to ensure Georgians have access to critical health care services and hospitals? Well, I, I would just remind voters at home, there's also hospitals being built uh, across this state and new options for people for health care. Look, the AMC situation was something that was thrown on a lot of political leaders, including me. But instead of complaining about it and doing the blame game, I went and worked with Fulton County, with DeKalb County, with Democrats to come up with a solution that put state resources into Grady to help make sure people have the access and the care that they need in our state. And I'm committed to continuing to do that in the future. All right. Shane, I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, Chuck, you get the final question of Shane Hazel. Thank you. Mr. Hazel, you ran for Congress in 2018. That was just four years ago. You ran as a Republican. You got less than 30 percent of the vote in the Republican primary. What happened between then and now that made you a libertarian? Oh, I, uh, I actually came back to my, my roots as a libertarian. Uh, we believe in freedom. We saw what the Republican Party was. We saw what the Democratic Party was. They are forcing coercion. No matter what they talk about, it's forcing coercion. Whether it's a certificate of need for hospitals, whether it is taking guns away from law-abiding citizens, it is always forcing coercion at the point of a gun from the Democrats and Republicans. To look at life through consent, the eyes that, hey, we can all have transactions, we do it every day in the private sector. 99.9% .9 of us go throughout our day without raping people, without murdering people, without pointing guns at people to take their property. 
That is not what the government does under Republicans and Democrats, period. That's why I became a libertarian. Uh, this is why we're going to send this thing into a runoff. And if people were really looking for something to change, you'd vote libertarian. You'd send a message to both of these parties because the, one of these people will most likely be the executive in a rigged system that you want to be more free. Thank you. That concludes the first round of the debate. The candidates will now ask a question to each of their opponents. Candidates will have 30 seconds to ask the question, 60 seconds to respond, and the candidate who asks the questions will have 30 seconds for a rebuttal. By random selection, Brian Kemp, you may ask the first question to Stacey Abrams. Well, thank you very much. Um, as many people know, I have over 100 sheriffs endorsing my campaign, uh, several of which are Democrats. And my question for Ms. Abrams tonight is how many Democrat or how many sheriffs statewide have publicly endorsed your campaign? Mr. Kemp, what you are attempting to do is continue the lie that you've told so many times. I think you believe it's the truth. I support law enforcement and did so for 11 years, worked closely with the Sheriff's Association. I'm probably the only person standing here who's ever actually written a, a SOP for police department when I was working for the city of Atlanta. But I have two brothers, one who has committed crimes and I want his victims to be able to call the police and get the help they need. And I've always supported that right. But I have another brother who has faced being pulled over for driving while black when he was coming back from his job as a social worker. Unlike you, I don't have the luxury of relying on slogans to describe my position on public safety. I believe that we need safety and justice because I love both of my brothers. And like most Georgians, I lead a complicated life where we need access to help, but we also need to know that we are safe from racial violence. While you may not have had that experience, too many people I know have, and that is why I will always stand up for making certain that safety and justice are the conversations we're having in Georgia and the delivery we have as the next governor of Georgia. Thank you. 30 seconds, Mr. Kemp. Well, I would just tell people that, look, I support safety and justice. But Ms. Abrams refused to answer the question, so I'll let you know that the answer is zero. No sheriffs are endorsing her statewide because of her stances on wanting to defund the police, eliminate cash bail, and serving on the boards of organizations like the Margaret Casey Foundation that supports and gives grants to... Way to sell her or sell me on her. ...the defund the police movement. If, he, if I may respond, because he actually lied there. Yes, I do seconds. have the support of sheriffs. But unlike Mr. Kemp, I do not make it my plan to list every person who supports me. I have the support of sheriffs. I have the support of advocates. I have the support of victims. I have the support of those who want to be treated fairly in our system. I have to have conversations with the entirety of Georgia. I don't have the luxury of being a part of a good old boys club where we don't focus on the needs of our people. And that is why my mission has been to put out very concrete plans explaining how I will serve justice, how I will serve safety, and how I will serve the citizens of the state of Georgia. 30 seconds, Brian Kemp. Well, look, I, I would just tell people, I know Miss uh, Abrams is upset and mad um, because these are things that she said. This is not me making this up. This is things that she said in interviews that she's done and she's sitting on organizations that you can go look at the facts yourself. And that's why the men and women in law enforcement want a governor that is going to stand with them, who has been with them, not only to have their back, but also stand shoulder to shoulder on things like civil unrest and going after street gangs and human traffickers. Thank you very much. It was like he was Stacey on Facebook. He was like, I just triggered you. Hazel. Mr. Hazel, Republicans and Democrats have raised the alarm 
over the rise in the Chinese Communist Party-backed companies purchasing American farmland. To date, they've purchased more than one million acres of farmland in the state of Georgia. Would you agree with Mike Pompeo that allowing those purchases in the state of Georgia is a sign of madness? And would you be concerned about the national security implications of the Chinese Communist Party purchasing this land with the support of the state of Georgia? I see the setup for this question. I understand why it was projected at me. Um, as libertarians, we believe that you own your property and that the state can't take it away from you and can't sell it or can't determine who you sell it to. Um, the CCP, obviously, uh, which is going through some its own internal unrest right now, uh, I believe is probably purchasing this with things like central bank digital dollars and yuan. Uh, which are also coming down to a, uh, a critical nature where people are in uprising in China. What we need to look at is how these purchases are being made. Are we accepting fiat, CCP, yuan in Georgia as a actual currency? It's about as good as the U.S. currency, the fiat currency that we're about to have hoisted on us in terms of a CBDC. I'm not going to tell you or anybody else as governor how or who to sell your property to. And I imagine that in the end, the, mar the free market will work itself out. Thank you. Stacey Abrams, 30 what seconds. What a convoluted answer. Watching our farmland be purchased by the Chinese Communist Party. And while that is not normally a conversation that we have, it is something that we should be concerned about. Agriculture is our number one industry, and Georgia has 13 military installations. The fact that the state of Georgia is working with the Chinese Communist Party using one of their technologies that both Donald Trump and Joe Biden have warned is very much a national security threat should be of great concern to every Georgian. This is not about being concerned simply about who's owning the land, but it's about how much access to our information they have because of the state. Thank you, Shane Hazel. You may ask your question of Stacey Abrams. Yeah, I'd agree with you. The uh, military industrial complex is a big problem. It is. And <laughs> we have people trying to come here to, I don't know, get a get a backdoor into our, our military. Um, I think one of the things we should be talking about as Georgians and as executives is the Defend the Guard Act, where our military has been used very, I don't know, haphazardly around the world to go and take resources from the Middle East or now in, in Mr. Ukraine. Mr. Hazel, your this question. Is, yeah, this is my question. Question to who? To Stacey Abrams. Uh, yeah. Oh, we've already switched gears. Yes. My, my, my question to you, I'm sorry. It's I, okay. I have hearing problems, guys. Um, my question yeah, to you. I, you might have smoked a little CBDC bit before this debate. As the that is the libertarian candidate. When we come into a CBDC from the Federal Reserve, will you, as the executive, accept the, the CCCP-style uh, currency? I believe that the conversation about currency is a complicated one. And part of the challenge we have is how these how this currency is transmitted, the very real security threats with digital currency, the hacking and mining of that digital currency should concern all Georgians. As the governor of Georgia, I will work very closely with the Federal Reserve, but also with the innovators and the entrepreneurs who do see an opportunity. But before we take a step forward that could put us at risk, our responsibility is to understand the complexity of what is happening with these transactions. And as exciting as it is, we also know it's deeply problematic when we do not have the 
adequate safeguards in place. That's one of the reasons I've raised concerns about WeChat and about the purchase of farmland. But what we know overall is that we need a governor who's conversant in these issues, who understands that, for example, in the state of Georgia, we have access to $3.5 billion in American currency that could be delivered tomorrow to save our hospitals and to save our lives. But our current governor has refused to accept those dollars. My intention is to do what's best for the state of Georgia every Thank single day. Thank you. Shane Hazel, you get a 30-second rebuttal. Yeah. Working with the Federal Reserve, who's got us into the mess that we are in. Of course in he's a crypto right bro. Because of a centralized fiat currency, it will be absolutely worthless. They will be dangling carrots in front of the governor, in front of the executives, in front of the legislature to do exactly what their mandates are. If they are mandating that they take the property of people, then they will do it. If they want to invade your homes, your privacy, your businesses, they will do it because of CBDCs. All right. Stacey Abrams, please ask your question to Brian Kemp. Absolutely. Mr. Kemp, under your leadership, there is currently a 100-year gap between minority-owned businesses and majority-owned businesses. Although minorities comprise 48% of the population, they only generate 12.2% of the business revenue in the state. And under every analysis that we have seen, it will take 100 years to close that gap, given the current process that you have in place. You served four years in the Senate, eight years as Secretary of State in charge of businesses. You served four years as governor. What are your concrete, specific, targeted plans to decrease and address the racial equity gap currently facing contracting and purchasing for minority-owned businesses. Governor Kim? Well, I would remind Georgians that the first part of my plan was keeping our state open for business and allowing all business people and working Georgians to work when Stacey Abrams was criticizing me for doing that. Also pushing to get our kids back in the classroom when, again, Stacey Abrams was criticizing me for doing that. A lot of Georgians, including African-Americans and other minorities, cannot go to work if their kids are not in the classroom. We have the lowest unemployment rate in the country for African-Americans. We also were named... Wait, uh, way to just say that schools are daycares so you can work in the capitalist system. ...entrepreneurship uh, in the state of Georgia. So our economy is incredible, and we will continue to work with all of those entrepreneurs in the days ahead and working class Georgians, because we are the ones that have been fighting for you when Miss Abrams was not. We were giving tax refunds. We were doing tax cuts. We were suspending the gas tax to help you deal with 40-year high inflation when she was criticizing us. Stacey Abrams, 30-second rebuttal. I would point out that Mr. Kemp did not address the needs of purchasing and contracts for black and brown-owned businesses, which is what he has refused to do for the last 16 years. We know that $10.9 billion has been delivered to the state of Georgia through two recent acts at the congressional level. And Brian Kemp does not have a plan for making certain that people of color have access to those contracts, access to purchasing. It was only in July of this year that he finally acknowledged that there might be a problem. He has said that we need to study it. I would tell him just cheat off of my paper. I know the answer. (laughs) We need a governor who actually believes in equity, racial equity, economic equity in the state of Georgia, and I will deliver. Thank you. Shane Hazel, please ask your question to Brian Kemp. Brian, in 2020, on April 2nd, you locked down Georgia, threatening peaceful people with force and coercion. You called people in Georgia non-essential, and it killed millions of jobs. You bent the knee to big pharma and pushed a vaccine that was untested on people, and it has killed people. They have lost their loved ones. You've allowed your YouTube, that's not true. And then you had the audacity to brag about record tax revenue. You want to say sorry to anybody? So is that a question or? 
That is a question. Do you want to say sorry to anybody? He's kicking, He's kicking authority, authority in the balls. I'm going to talk about my record because obviously uh, Mr. Hazel is gravely mistaken. If you look at the executive orders uh, that I signed, we said every business in Georgia was essential. There was a few that we asked to help us stop the spread, flatten the curve, build PPE supplies and hospital bed capacities. Because unlike him, I was getting the calls from hospitals saying, hey, we are out of surgical gowns. We're out of masks. We need ventilators. And we were literally working 24-7 to supply those items while also keeping our economy open in this state. And as you know, I was the first state to open the small parts that we asked to close, and our recovery's been as good as any state in the country. We have had two record years of economic development because of our business environment, working with the General Assembly to make sure that we're putting Georgians first and Georgia businesses and Georgia workers first, and that's what I'm committed to continuing to do. 30 seconds, Mr. Hazel. You should have put Georgia freedom first, period. You didn't have the power to lock down businesses. And you signed the executive order on April 2nd. It was clear as day. I sat there and watched you do it. And I was like, there is no coming back from this. The idea that the, the I guess the default was to lock down Georgia instead of trusting Georgians with their freedom to adapt in a time of very changing circumstances, I think is a tyrant move. And I think the left and right are fascist and communist socialists, whereas we're talking about real liberty, trusting Thank Georgians with those decisions. Fascist, communist, socialists. Final question in this round for Shane Hazel. Well, I, I would just on, uh, ask Mr. Hazel if he supports the things that we have done because we were open and Georgians were working and we've had excess revenue. So instead of doing big government. That's our tax money. Yeah, no, I don't support it because Your here's question? the thing: is when, when when we get to that point, when we talk well, about I was what you're doing, to ask, ask my, oh, my finish your my question. question. Please go ahead. I, I would just I'm say, sorry. do you support the tax cuts we've done, returning a billion dollars of taxpayer money, and suspending the gas tax for Georgians to help fight through 40-year high inflation and bad domestic energy policy? Georgia, I hope you hear me when I say libertarians think taxation is theft. It's your money. It's your property. Yeah. You should be able to determine what you do with it. I don't support the fact that you haven't ended qualified immunity. I don't support the fact that you haven't ended civil asset forfeiture. I don't support the fact that you haven't ended the drug war. You haven't ended nonviolent crime. You haven't ended cash bail. You haven't ended no-knock raids. You haven't implemented community review boards. And you haven't bland, uh, banned blacked-out cop cars that go after people for more money. It's ridiculous. He's right on all that shit. By the executive to leave peaceful people alone in the state of Georgia. That's my message to both Not of you. Not your average guy. Thank you for being a freaking follower. Where's a badge? <coughs> Stop going after peaceful people. Mr. Kemp, 30-second rebuttal. Well, that's simply not true. Uh, as Georgians know, I have followed the laws and the constitution of this state. And I ran after, on going after criminal street gangs because I knew there was an issue in our state when other people wouldn't even talk about it and the media wouldn't acknowledge it. And you look at the amount of fentanyl that's coming across the southern border because of bad border policies. 28 minutes is what it took. Every governor in the country is having to deal with that. So, yes, I'm going to go after bad people that are selling bad drugs and killing our children and our other citizens. The free market way to do that would be we're, to allow cannabis and psilocybin to handle the mental health issues. Mr. Okay, Hazel, well, I wasn't talking about cannabis. I was talking about deadly <laughs> Gentlemen, Stop busting them then. 
gentlemen, we're going to move on. That concludes our second round. For those just joining us, I mean, that this was is nice. the general election debate for, between candidates for governor. We will now go back to the panel to ask questions to the candidate of their choice until we run out of time. As a point of moderator privilege, I may also ask questions of the candidates, and I will determine when a rebuttal is appropriate. And I'm going to use that moderator privilege right away to ask some education questions. Mr. Kemp, if reelected, you've said you'll push for $65 million dedicated to fighting pandemic learning loss, more hiring more counselors, and recruiting teachers to fill shortages. How do you respond to those who say you should have prioritized those academic-related issues over laws dealing with divisive concepts, parental laws, and obscene books in the past legislative session, even those who were pushed and pushing for those laws in the end say they don't have much teeth? Well, look, we have been pushing for those things. You can talk to school superintendents around the state. We have worked with them uh, really over the last year and a half, two years on learning loss. We've been working with our superintendents and other education groups. We passed two different pieces of legislation dealing with the teacher pipeline, which is getting more teachers into the system. Our plan has uh, is working with higher education, including our HBCUs and others, to make sure we're getting more of the right people. Coming from a Republican, I would have thought the teacher pipeline was like sending them to open back up Keystone XL. We're going to use teachers. We are funding K through 12 education in this state more than we ever have per pupil ever, and that's coming off a recession during the middle of a global pandemic. This includes my promised teacher pay raise of five thousand dollars that we completed in my first full term, despite having to deal with two years of a global can uh, pandemic and a recession. So I think it's incredible what we've been doing, but make no mistake, we have more work to do and I'm committed to doing that. Thank you. Shane Hazel, would you tell us- Yes, we need to hear how these governors will protect yeah, the litter boxes in, the in the schools. The, private sector. the government education system that came from Prussia in the 1700s has obviously failed Americans. We don't understand economics. We don't understand our civil culture. We don't understand- a, a libertarian telling everybody they don't understand economics. In, in politics. The, the idea that we want to privatize everything as libertarians is good for education. Think about Walmart having a monopoly on force to teach your children. It's insane. The idea that we do this with a government has side effects. It's, we see them on a, on a daily basis. We need to get government out of education. We need to allow parents to seek out the best education for their kids. And we also believe that they have the responsibility to do so. So to help fix this nation, uh, start here in Georgia, is get the government and the admin out of the classroom and get it out of our lives. He wants to privatize education. In education, you propose a boost in teachers' pay, more state-paid preschool slots for lower-income children and their families, and more. If you win the governor's race, you'll likely have Republican majorities in both chambers. Given what we know about partisan divisions, how will you get your education proposals passed and funded? So let's begin with what my proposals are. Georgia is sitting on a $6.6 billion surplus. That's money that we have after we've paid every bill, after we've put 15% aside for say, a rainy day fund. That is money that after we've accounted for increases in population. And I want to invest it in our children and in our families, beginning with making certain that we have pre-K slots. We have four-year-olds on a waiting list. I've never met a four-year-old who waits to turn five. 
but we can solve that problem with the money we have right now. We can also give an $11,000 pay raise to our teachers instead of a $5,000 pay raise on layaway. We can make certain that we are increasing access to the pipeline because teachers aren't in the pipeline because they can't make enough money to take care of themselves and their families. And that is why under this governor, we have a 67% retention rate. Any other CEO who lost more than 30% of their workforce would be fired. And that is why my plan... Well, everyone knows where I would like to piss. ...to plan for today and tomorrow. We've got the money, and we have economists in Georgia and national economists who have looked at my plan, and they say it works. Check my plan out at StaceyAbrams.com. Check my map. It works. Thank you. 30 seconds. Yeah, I'd just like to let people know that, look, my plan is to use the revenue that we have because we've been open. If Stacey Abrams had been your governor over the last four years, you wouldn't have that excess revenue because she wanted the state to stay locked down and criticize me when I opened it back up. We have, in fact, been using this revenue and will do so in the future to do another income tax refund and put the money back in your pocket. We're also going to do a property tax relief grant one time that helps you with rising property values and rising property taxes that the counties are not rolling back. Thank you very much. If I may respond, because it, 30 it, seconds. It, it, this is going to go back and forth between Ms. the Democrats for and the Republicans. Ms. If they keep for attacking Abrams, each other, I'm going to say we've got to move on. Ms. Abrams, 30 seconds. For Mr. The, Hazel, we've got to move we're on. We're not going to be excluded from this. I'm we're not gonna, excluding you, but I'm get, he did the, refer to her, so we are going to have her speak first. You're going to take money well, and property from my, people that don't even attend your schools because Mr. they Sir, don't Mr. agree Hazel, with them. We, we want to move on. Ms. Abrams. I love libertarians. Three things that were inaccurate. One. I urged caution because any leader should privilege the lives of those they serve. 38,000 people died in Georgia. We have one county where one in every 100 Hancock County residents perished under this governor. And so, yes, I urged caution. But I also urge good math. We have the money in our accounts to do what is right. Money not delivered by Brian Kemp, money delivered by federal Democrats and money that is delivered by hardworking Georgians who have generated the surplus and they deserve investments in their lives. And the income taxes that we keep hearing about, 50,000 people are getting half a billion dollars. The rest of us are going to see 193 bucks. That is not a good return on investment. Shane Hazel, 30 seconds, please. It's stolen money. All of it's stolen money from people who have property. The fact that we have property tax in America has got to be one of the most un-American things I've ever heard of. There are a lot of us at homeschool because we don't believe in the government school system. And we are still fleeced every year to the tune of thousands and thousands of dollars to pay for a broken school system that we don't agree with. That's right. both I mean, of I agree. Oh, it should right. be coupled to property taxes. Abrams called me out again. All right. About these 30 impacts. seconds, and, and then be, we really are brief. going to move on. But the federal money that we're able to use right now and spend is because our state was open. And we didn't have to use this federal money to backfill state revenues, which has put us in an incredible position uh, to move forward in our state. Mr. So, Kemp, so we're one blame, of several states that so have had the same this, exact to experience. Blame this on, it is disingenuous. To claim and not having done a conversation. We're going to move on. It's the people's we're, money. We're going to move on, uh, gentlemen and, and Ms. Abrams. Greg Bluestein, you have the next question. Ms. Abrams, I want to go back to one of uh, Donna's underlying questions, which is the how issue. Absolutely. Uh, you've staked out dozens of policy proposals that would have to win approval from lawmakers, including Medicaid expansion, including uh, several of the proposals you outlined here today. But it's highly likely the legislature will remain in Republican control. How are you going to win approval of these measures uh, when, in the face of staunch Republican opposition? 
Well, I don't actually believe there is staunch Republican opposition. I served in the legislature for 11 years. And every day during my tenure, I worked across the aisle to get good done. They put it in my title. I was minority leader, meaning I couldn't win unless I could work with Get good done. That is why I'm the only person I know of who got an A rating from the Georgia Chamber of Commerce and the Friend of Labor Award for the same work in the same year. The work that I do is working with people to find out how we get solutions. Medicaid expansion is a perfect example. We have 19 hospitals at risk of closure, joining the six hospitals that have closed under this governor. We are sending a Brinks truck of $3.5 billion of our money to Kentucky, to Louisiana, to Ohio, because this governor will not accept the money. And the resources that we need in our state will come to our state when we have leaders willing to work across the aisle to bring our money home. But it's more important than that. It's about how do we take care of our families? How do we make certain that we're addressing high housing prices? How do we tackle the issue of gun violence? How do we support our freedoms and protect our people? And we need a governor who can do the math, but also do the morality of making sure we take care of every single Georgia. Thank you, Ms. Abrams. math is a requirement, I could never be governor. Well, I would just say that one way we deal with gun violence is to take the bad people that are doing the shootings and lock them up and not in cash bail like Ms. Abrams wants to do. But listen, she's also said that the silver bullet on health care is Medicaid expansion, adding 600, 650,000 people. Well, there's been 600,000 people added to the Medicaid roll since I've become governor. And the problem is it's a broken government program that she wants the government to decide your health care that will also kick 200,000 private citizens off their private sector health care. Thank you. I may respond. 30-second like rebuttal. Just, just talk about he this. He called just her name. Second. Ms. Abrams. Oh, the libertarian ones in. Number one, Medicaid expansion will allow 500,000 Georgians who are working people to get access to health care. That is a good thing in a state where we have people dying every day from cancer, from issues with health, issues with diabetes, issues with heart disease. But number two, the 600,000 people that he references who are on Medicaid, they are put there because of the public health emergency. And when that ends, they will lose health care, which will add more people who are on the streets unable to get health care. Under this governor, we've lost six hospitals. We have ambulance wait times that are excessive, right. and our Thank people need would, relief, and like they need their in. money back. I would like to wait. We want to. We want to give our panelists yeah. a chance to ask more but questions. So, Chuck Williams, it is your we're turn to ask a question, Mister. It's insane, Governor. The Democrats have controlled the U.S. Senate for two years because Georgia shifted from two Republicans to two Democrats in January of 2021. One of those seats was held by Kelly Leffler, a person you appointed to that post. She then lost to Senator Warnock. Do you wish you had made a different choice when you selected Kelly Leffler? Well, no, not at all. I mean, I I've, I've was excited about her candidacy. I know she worked extremely hard. Um, it was a very challenging She's environment. Extremely dumb. And I think it goes to the point that in 2020, watching that election, I learned a lot of lessons. You know, a lot of the things that we haven't been doing with the ground game from a political perspective, we are now doing. Making sure that when we're campaigning, that we're making sure what we know the differences are with the candidates. But also, we got to be for something. And what I'm for is doing another billion-dollar tax rebate, for doing property tax relief grants, for continuing to strengthen rural Georgia and run rural broadband like we have been doing that. We started this program long before the pandemic hit, doing economic development projects where 74% of the investment of over $30 billion over the last two record years is going to rural Georgia. Over half the 
you know, 80,000 jobs that are going with those projects outside the 10 metro counties in rural Georgia. And I'm committed to doing that in the future. Mr. Hazel, if you would like to have 30 seconds, you may. Thank you very much. The, the, the state of Georgia needs a governor who understands econ. The $200 trillion of unfunded liability in this country as a veteran, understanding that we have a veteran's health care system that is in shambles. They treat you as a liability, and they will throw pills at you every chance they get. They won't actually address your health. There is no way on earth we're going to expand that to the rest of the 99% of the country. It's a fairy tale, and it doesn't exist. That's why the economy is collapsing, because they continue to print trillions and trillions of dollars and hike interest rates at the same time. Thank you Policies very much. like that are going to do the same. Thank you. Jennifer Bellamy, it's your turn to ask a question. This question is for each of you. What do you see as the biggest challenge facing Georgia and Georgians, and how do you think it should be addressed? What will you do as governor to address that challenge? Let's start with you, Stacey Abrams. Gang crime is up. Gun violence is up. Housing prices have skyrocketed. Equity investors have purchased 30% of the homes in the state of Georgia. We have 1.4 million people without health insurance who cannot see a doctor when they need one. We live in a state of fear. And this is a governor who, for the last four years, has beat his chest but delivered very little for most Georgians. He has weakened gun laws and flooded our streets. He has weakened our privacy rights and our and women's rights. He has denied women the access to reproductive care. The most dangerous thing facing Georgia is four more years of Brian Kemp. We need a governor who actually understands the math and the morality. We need to understand that, yes, we have veterans, like Mr. Hazel pointed out, who can't get access to health care, in part because they're not fully covered by VA benefits and will only get health insurance if we expand Medicaid. We have seniors who are being forced out of their homes because this governor refuses to address the issue of housing crises. In fact, he told an audience that he didn't want to upset investors by giving local local authorities control over housing prices, letting them you, address the issues. We need I, a governor who will do give, more I want to I want to give each one of them a chance to answer the Jennifer's question. Shane Hayes. The biggest problem facing us is the economy. But to quote uh, the great Rothbard, the man who puts all the guns and all of the decision-making power into the hands of a central government and then says, limit yourself, is he truly the impractical utopian? The idea that the economy isn't the biggest problem that we have in Georgia is because people don't understand economics. These guys don't understand economics from Republicans or Democrats or else we wouldn't be in the hole that we're in in terms of trillions and trillions of dollars. What we need to do is get back to basics, Austrian economics, where we get rid of this cancer that has invaded every transaction that we have through a fiat currency system, creating freedom. For everybody in Georgia is the default position, not more government, not more programs, not more policies, not more point at the barrel of a gun, force and coercion. It is freedom. All right. Brian Kemp, your answer to the question. Justin. Well, I'll first, since I didn't get a rebuttal after being called out, would just let Jordans know again that my record's being attacked because Miss Abrams doesn't want to talk about her own record. If you look at what the state of Georgia and our first lady, Marty Kemp, has done to raise the awareness on ending human trafficking, going after the perpetrators and supporting the victim, as well as us working with the General Assembly to give Medicaid benefits to new to birthing mothers up to a year uh, after having that child and other things, 
shows you her down by two points life and that Jimmy McGill but in the future my focus is going to be what it was when I opened the debate and that is helping you fight through 40 year high inflation and disastrous policies in Washington DC I would remind you that Stacey Abrams campaigned to be Joe Biden's running mate she supports these policies that have raised taxes on hard-working Americans and Georgians when they promised they would not we're working with the General Assembly to help you fight through that by suspending the gas tax and giving your money back Thank you put it very in your much. pocket. Thank you very much. Greg, your next question. Hey, Governor, I want to stay with you. Um, the news channel we're watching right now. Exchange a little bit. Earlier today, you rolled out a new public safety Mandy, plan. Good evening. It offers a crackdown, promotes a crackdown on criminal offenses. What it doesn't specifically address is gun violence. Your critics say that your permissive gun policies will only lead to more crime. What do you propose you will do in a second term if you're reelected to address gun-related crimes? Well, again, we're, we're going after the people that are doing these gun-related crimes. I mean, and that's what we're doing going after uh, street gangs in this regard. You know, during the pandemic, when I was talking to people about how we were responding, what we were dealing with, I was hearing from educators and athletic directors and other people saying, Governor, we got to get our kids back in the classroom because we're losing them. We're going to lose them a decade of children because these kids that we're recruiting when they're 13, 14, 15 year old, years old to be on the ball field or be in the band or be on the robotics team or what have you, extracurricular activity, they're being recruited by street gangs because they're not in the classroom. So those are the kind of things that we are focused on to make sure that these kids are under the right environment. And my new public safety plan is stiffening penals, penalties for gang, uh, gang members that are recruiting our children. And I believe that most Georgians support that. And I'm committed to working with all law enforcement to make a dent there. Thank you. TV has made people think that there's just like gangs everywhere. I've I've been recruited by a gang exactly zero times in my life. From a Georgia State Patrol task force that has helped augment police coverage in those cities and some others over the last year. What can be done to make sure that local agencies agencies that are short on officers can handle these police policing duties without having to rely on the state. Ms. Abrams? Well, yes. you actually asked Mr. Kemp. I said for both. Okay. Yeah, it's for both. Governor? Yeah, look, I'm glad to uh, answer that question. The crime suppressing unit that I asked Colonel Wright to put together during civil unrest when I grew tired. I was always hoping the foot soldiers would, would like pop out and their local law enforcement go after dangerous people during civil unrest that had no chase policies where street racers and street gangs are terrorizing our citizens. I told Colonel Wright I wanted to plan. I wanted to know how much it's going to cost and I want to know who we're going to work with. And so that's why the State Patrol, GBI, Department of Natural Resources, game wardens, working with the Fulton County Sheriff, who's helped us with jail facilities, the Atlanta Police Department, we went and put a plan together to start going after street racers and going after violent criminals and have more boots on the ground. We've done the same thing in Columbus. We've done it in Macon. We've done it in Savannah. And we'll do it wherever we're needed. This is not our job. We're using funds from the governor's emergency um, uh, a fund to help pay for these dollars and thankfully the General Assembly supports that because we've been in the fight when others were not. Thank you. Miss Abrams. Go street racer. Go street racer. Go. 
going into a gun store, getting a weapon and murdering women in less than an hour. Street gangs aren't the reason people are getting shot in grocery stores and in parking lots and at schools. Street gangs are one part of the problem, but we have a governor who has weakened gun laws across this state, flooded our streets with guns by letting dangerous people get access to those weapons. Georgia does not have a waiting period. We do not have universal background checks. And one of the few permits that we had that was helping keep us safe stopped 5,000 people who should not have had weapons from getting them got weakened by this governor with his criminal carry law. As the next governor, my intention would be to actually give the people who do 90 percent of law enforcement the support they need. We know that they have asked for at least one hundred and thirty six million dollars so they can recruit and retain officers. I am the only candidate who has put in place a plan for at least twenty five million dollars in grants, not loans, to go to these local law enforcement officers so they can recruit and retain officers so that their officers aren't working two or three jobs simply to make ends meet. Thank you. Before your rebuttal, uh, Governor Kemp, Shane Hazel, you, you may respond much. to this question. You keep going back to guns, Stacey, and I think it's going to be your undoing here in Georgia. Georgia, we're going to have less and less gun laws, whether it's under Republicans or Libertarians. Libertarians don't believe in any gun laws. We believe that you know how to best protect you and your property. And the biggest mass murderer in history is government. It's not private citizens. Most private citizens, like I said before, go throughout their day without doing any harm to anybody. However, the people in the government with all of the guns still go after people with a badge when they shouldn't have to. In Holly Springs, Georgia, I introduced the Helios Initiative, where we got rid of civil asset forfeiture. It was a one-page bill through decentralization, nullification, using the Constitution that made the officers in Holly Springs safer because they don't have to go out there and they don't have to harass people of color while driving while black. They don't have to go out there and look for drugs. They don't have to go out there and do any of these things because civil asset forfeiture is also the government stealing more than criminals, hardened criminals, from I mean, any right on that issue in the state of Georgia. Thank you, Governor. The problem with libertarians is they're right on a lot of things, and then they're so fucking stupid. The largest, fastest-growing segment of the population that's buying handguns and firearms is African-Americans and females. You know why? because the criminals are the only ones that do have the guns. You have local governments that are holding up concealed weapon permits that are keeping law-abiding citizens from being able to simply use their Second Amendment right to protect themselves and their property and their families. I will certainly support that. Thank because you. Mr. Hazel and if we got any kids watching, remember. Let's be clear. I believe that we can protect the Second Amendment and protect second graders at the exact same time. That means that, yes, more people are buying guns, but that's because they think that's the only way to protect themselves because guns have flooded our streets. These are communities that want to be safe. Medicine. They don't want to have to carry weapons. I know how to shoot. My great-grandmother taught me. But I know that the person who is most responsible is the person who holds the weapon. And that is why I will quote Ronald Reagan, trust but verify. And because of the criminal carry law that Brian Kemp signed into law... You there could is have no quoted Ronald Reagan on a so lot of, like, like assault weapons ban. He was the dude that pushed for it. Donna, if I could respond. How did you relate it to nuclear weapons somehow? That was fucked up. Federal background check. There's a federal background check on every individual 
that buys a firearm in the United States of America. Which shouldn't exist true. either. So, that is not true. Well, the, the point, Mr. I, Mr. I understand, that's not true. I understand the, the point you're making. It's totally not. But the point is, when you buy a firearm, you get a background check. Mr. And Kemp, none, of, right. none of the laws More changed. On Mr. Who, Kemp, if you purchase a weapon in Georgia through a gun sale or a private sale, well, through a gun Abrams, show or a private sale, you're I not right, subject we're, to that. We're going to have to move on. I interrupted you tonight. I apologize. Candidates, we have to move on. I'm going to allow Jennifer to ask... What's going to be the final question in this round? Uh, a study recently showed frustration among our nation's teachers with political... I can't wait until we get to double jeopardy. That's like the next round. ...and critical race theory presenting additional challenges to a profession that's already dealing with low pay, falling interest, and people leaving. What would you do specifically as governor to recruit, retain, and empower educators for, for schools across the state of Georgia for each of you? All right, we'll start with you, Ms. Abrams. And let me again, again apologize to Mr. Kemp for interrupting. This is a very important topic to me, and I apologize for my outburst. I will say that when it comes to education, we know teachers are leaving the workforce. We have a 67% retention rate, but 70% of our teachers have said they would not recommend teaching to their colleagues. That is because of low pay, because of overregulation, because of high stress, and because they believe that they are being told to teach to a curriculum that does not reflect the values and needs of our students. When a teacher is told that you have to lie to a child, which is what happened with the divisive language, the divisive concepts legislation, teachers are not being able to teach the whole history of our students. They're not able to tell their children what they need to know. As the next governor of Georgia, I will repeal those laws. I will increase pay and I will make certain that all of our teachers can start and continue through their time, well paid and well protected and well supported by the government. Unfortunately, we're running out of time, so only 45 seconds. So, um, Brian Kemp. Well, I would just say this is exactly why I did the $5,000 teacher pay raise that I ran on in 2018. Uh, We've also done a parent's bill of rights to have parents fully engaged with their schools to make sure that they know what's happening to their kids. Quite honestly, people are tired of their kids being indoctrinated in the classroom. But we've also worked with our educators on these pieces of legislation to make sure that they make good common sense. But I would also tell you, that people are tired of these issues like not having fairness in girls' sports and other things. And quite honestly, it's woken a lot of people up. So we got to continue to have good conversations like we've done with our p- teacher pipeline legislation, like we're doing with helping 9,000 parapros get fully certified to be in the classroom. Thank you very kids. much. Shane Hazel, you get 45 Yeah, seconds. I woke the cat up. He was not happy. Interesting points. A lot of these teachers, like my own wife, has left the profession of teaching to homeschool, to go to private school, to do something outside of this narrative where admin from the federal government and the state government is forcing them to teach things they don't want to teach, to teach to test. They can't stand the administration who makes six figures. It is bloated. It has absolutely gotten out of control. We need to nullify property tax. We need to let people get out of the system. We need to allow the private sector to work. Because before education was put under the thumb of government here, we had some of the brightest, most well-read people in the entire world. And that's what we need to bring back. All right. Thank you very much. We are running out of time. So that is all the time we have for questions. Each candidate will now have only 40 seconds for a closing statement. And Brian Kemp, you get the first closing statement. Well, first of all, let me thank the Atlanta Press Club for having us. When I ran for governor in 2018, I promised to put hard work in Georgians first ahead of the status quo and the politically correct. 
I said shortly after being sworn in, I would work hard as your governor every single day for all Georgians, whether you voted for me or not. I'm so optimistic about the future of our state, the lowest unemployment rate in the history of the state, the most people working, and economic opportunity in all parts of our state, no matter your zip code or neighborhood. Stacey Abrams said Georgia's the worst state in the country to live. Well, Marty, the girls and I disagree. We think Georgia's the greatest state in the country to live, work, and raise our children. And that's why I'm asking for your vote and support to keep it that way. Thank, thank you. you, and God bless. Thank you, Stacey. You didn't say up yours, woke wireless. Do you want to thank everyone tonight for your support? We'll see who And I want to point out who. that Brian Kemp did make promises. He promised to keep us safe, but crime has gone up. He promised to protect us, and yet he's attacked our freedoms. He has promised to take care of our families, and yet the rising prices in Georgia are rising because he refuses to expand Medicaid, because he refuses to tackle the affordable housing crisis that we have, and he's sitting on $400 million of our money that he will not spend to keep us under roofs and in our homes. As the next governor, I want us to have more, more money in our pockets, more protections in our lives, more freedoms in our days, and more opportunity in our communities. I see all Damn, of Georgia. Damn, more money, more problems. My intention to serve all of Georgia. I encourage you to go to my website, StaceyAbrams.com, and please make a plan to Thank vote. You. And know that I'm asking Thank you for you. your vote tonight. Thank you. Shane Hazel, you get the final 40-second closing statement. Georgia, you are essential. We are in changing times. Technology, money, politics are all changing incredibly fast. As humans, our superpower is our ability to adapt to a changing world. This power to adapt, our passion and genius is unleashed when it is free. Free from tax, free from government and their lockdowns, free from government mandates, and free from force and coercion. You know best how to adapt and run your life, and that is your right to do so. It is time peaceful people were free to take on the challenges we face. Our message Thank to the you. government is simple. It's Thank time you, to leave Hazel. peaceful people alone. If you believe the government we, is so damn essential. Oh, he's a marble buff, right? Thank you. Nothing wrong with that. That concludes our debate. We'd like to remind voters that Election Day is Tuesday, November 8th, and early voting has already begun. Our thanks to the candidates and to our panel of journalists. We'd also like to thank the Atlanta Press Club for arranging today's debate. For more information about the debates they will host this election season, visit atlantapressclub.org slash debates. I'm Donna Lowry. Thanks for joining us for the Atlanta Press Club debates. <laughs> oh my god also speaking of parlor apparently kanye west bought it they they parlor just gave out like the emails of all their their user base fucking hilarious all right when we come back from the other side of the break we're gonna watch the tim ryan J.D. Vance uh, debate that just took place in Ohio. It is wrapping up as we speak right now. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back, watch the Ohio Senate debate. So stick around for that. We'll see you on the other side of the break. I'm going to tell you that I almost made the decision to watch the Ohio Senate debate live because I was worried I wouldn't be able to watch a replay of it because it looked like it was only going to be on that news station's website. But then I saw they're like, you can also watch the replay on our YouTube channel. It's not on their YouTube channel right now. And I'm, I'm having a hard time finding a stream of this goddamn debate. 
That's why I almost took the Ohio debate first. And then uh, we were going to watch the... I swear to you, it says watch it on our watch the watch the entire debate after on our YouTube channel. It's not up yet. Now, if that means they're going to upload it right after it ends, then uh, maybe we'll just bullshit around for a little bit, and then we'll watch the debate here in about a half hour or so. We can do that. That's possible. I did not, however. Refill my drink. Or take a pee pee. Trying to find this goddamn debate. Um, it's eight o'clock though, so uh yeah, but like I can't go back and 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 like rewind like their live feed. That's that's the that's the issue. I it is it is not anywhere just yet, but it like it says it yeah it was the Senate debate in Ohio. It says it will be up on their YouTube, so if that means they're uploading it. An hour-long upload is probably going to take about 20 minutes on YouTube. I know this because I did an hour-long upload right before uh, I got up on this uh, on this show here. <laughs> Where I uploaded the, the little debate I had with DM Productions. Was that the dude from last night? I didn't. I didn't realize that he was a a streamer of sorts until uh, afterwards. I should. I should have took the Ohio debate live, and then we could have watched the. Uh, could have watched the uh, Stacey Abrams debate on replay. But man, that was good. Good shit over there in Georgia. Especially they had the libertarian in there. Ah, fuck you, New York Times. The whole thing was brutal, yeah. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed that kind of shit. Yeah, I go to their website. I don't see any fucking video for the debate. Is it specifically put on by one television station? Which is the reason I almost took it live. Because you go to their website. We we can't get to no video for some. Watch debate live, but see, we're not live anymore. It just happened. Rewatch the entire debate on the YouTube channel after the debate is over. That is what I was going by. Channel. They ain't got no debate. 
all your videos. Is there a debate? Nope, there's no debate. We watched a couple of clips of it last night. And this is this is the eight o'clock hour. I would usually be coming on. So uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do the whole countdown, but I, I want to hit the intro again just because I like it. Ooh, but the, the, the intro is the fun Halloween intro. The scariest part, the scariest part about this is Nancy Pelosi to me. <laughs> that is the scariest part of the intro, in my opinion. Even though Dan Crenshaw's eye hole does make an appearance. This is the Troll Patrol. Live. With Justin. Freakin'. So welcome to the Troll Patrol Live. It's a freaking Monday. We just watched the Georgia gubernatorial debate. Possibly here in a little bit, we're going to watch the Ohio Senate debate. They might have cucked us on that one. <laughs> we check Facebook. Sometimes Facebook Live has that kind of thing. I'm not broadcasting on Facebook right now, unfortunately. I say unfortunately because we've had some people join us for the debates on Facebook. It just told me it couldn't broadcast to my, my page for some Senate debate in Utah. That going on right now? Well, you know what? That's fun. We'll do that. Can we go back in time on this? We go from the beginning. This is where uh, independent Evan McMullen has a chance to unseat Mike Lee. to the other. We have, uh, As the famed Nobel Prize winning economist Milton Friedman explained, in the United States of America, there's only one cause of inflation. It's excessive spending by Congress. I will continue to fight every day to rein that in. I'm we sorry, Justin. We controlled Senate to do that. Mr. McMullen. Well, look, I, I think maybe this is something that Senator Lee and I agree on, at least in part. I also agree that the Biden administration of guilty of, is guilty of reckless spending. They were warned by both Democratic and Republican economists not to pass the, not to put in place the $1.9 trillion spending package during the pandemic that has contributed heavily to inflation in our country. Senator Lee, I'm glad you've stood up to that, at least in rhetoric. But the reality is we need to, we need to represent people, we need to send people to Washington who are willing to stand up both to Republicans and Democrats in the White House who are guilty of reckless spending because the, the administration before Joe Biden, Donald Trump's, was guilty of the same. And, and frankly, no, I'm, I'm Senator, I'm not quite finished. Yes, yes, it's During their bona fides the with US their base. Senate, when you were elected, the, the U.S. debt was about 12 or $13 trillion, Senator Lee. 
Now it's almost triple that. It's well over 31 trillion. I think our difference is in approach. I know that the only time we've ever gotten our fiscal house in order is when Republicans and Democrats have worked together. Senator Lee refuses to do that, and those are his broken politics. Senator Lee, a quick 30-second rebuttal. So this is an important race because independent Evan McMullen may take out a Republican in Mike Lee. I've been a bootlicker for either party is folly, and it's contradicted by the plain... You are a bootlicker. Look, no member of the Republican Senate conference voted independently during the Trump administration than I did. Only two senators, Susan Collins and Rand Paul, voted less with President Trump than I did. I have stood against my party time and time again to oppose reckless spending. I will do it again and again and again. We need people to say no, because when Washington only wants to spend money, they're spending it at your expense. They're making you less powerful. They're making you more poor. That must stop. We want to get to a specific issue that has been submitted to the debate commission, wanting us to talk more about the federal government and its ruling in the case West Virginia versus EPA. The Supreme Court said that the EPA didn't have the authority to enforce coal emissions and that the authority should come from a law yet to be created in Congress. Do you think this is the most effective system of government? And can Congress take on this task? And should they take on this task and pass even more very specific and granular laws? And we go to Mr. McMullen for this. Well, look, I, I do think there's a, there's a role for the federal government in helping ensure that we have clean air and, and sufficient water. I certainly think that's true. But our solutions are going to come more at the federal level or at the, at the state level. You know, there's no way for Washington to tell us totally how we can keep our air clean and, and ensure that we have sufficient water. There is a role for the federal government to play, certainly, but there's an important role for the states as well. And I think, uh, I think it's important that the federal government support state efforts rather than dictate to them what those efforts should be. You guys keep talking. I'm going to start selling motherfucking magic undies on the freak the store. Comment just made uh, by my opponent. Um, states can do better. We know our topography, our demographics, our geography, our specific needs better than any bureaucrat in Washington ever could. As to West Virginia versus EPA, the Supreme Court emphatically got that case right. Look, what Congress has been passing as legislation for decades. Sadly, under the leadership of uh, Republican and Democratic Congresses and White Houses alike, it's been platitudes more than laws. In many instances, they'll pass a law that will say we shall have good law in the area of clean air. And we hereby delegate to the EPA the power to decide what clean air is and to punish polluters. In well, West yeah. Virginia versus EPA, the Supreme Court said, look, EPA has exercised that authority so broadly so as to shut down certain sources of electric power in this country. Congress cannot possibly be deemed to have voluntarily uh, handed that authority over to EPA. This is the tip of the iceberg of what needs to change. The very first clause... Talking about crotchless undies in my chat. You live in sexual anarchy. Here and granted shall be vested in a Congress of the United States. That power has been handed over, lock, stock, and barrel, to unelected, unaccountable bureaucrats. This is why we need a Republican Congress to enact the Reins Act. That would See how seriously you take Mike Lee. And away from the unelected, unaccountable bureaucrats. We appreciate your responses, and I'm not seeing the need for a, a rebuttal on that one. 
In all of my experience with debates and in talking with the folks from the Utah Debate Commission, they too have never seen anything quite like this, where so many people have con contacted us as a commission, me as the moderator, them as individuals, asking a series of questions that they feel they deserve very straight, specific answers to. We've broken it down to four things, and hopefully we can address this. Don't play in Utah. In the first part of this, we've broken it into four questions. But this one is a very basic one that will go to the senator. Did Joe Biden fairly, that's the important word, did Joe Biden fairly win the 2020 presidential election? Senator Lee. Yes, Joe Biden is our president. He was chosen in the only election that matters, the election held by the Electoral College. It was on that basis that I voted to certify the election results. The Electoral College cast its vote. Joe Biden won that. Now, as some to squirmy ways of uh, signaling to their uh, base, some states uh, might have conducted their elections better than others. Big lie. There's always room for debate and questions about that. Some people express concerns about the number of states using universal mail-in balloting for the first time in 2020. Unlike Utah, they hadn't tested it out. In Utah, we've got these signature verification protocols. We've got elaborate procedures for going through the voter registration rules to make sure that the wrong people, people who have died or moved out of state, uh, aren't voting. Uh, in other states, there were open questions about that, about ballot harvesting and things like that. But ultimately, what matters is the Electoral College, and the Electoral College won. I would add here, it's absolutely essential that the authority to conduct elections remain in state hands, never consolidated in federal hands where the risk of corruption is great. On this, my opponent and I disagree. My opponent has expressed support for legislation backed by the Democrats called S-1. S-1 would consolidate excessive authority over elections in the federal government. It would do so, moreover, in a way that would virtually cobble the states in their ability to enact voter security measures like voter ID. This is a bad step. We should shun it like the plague. Mr. McMullen. Why does this debate look well, like it took place in 1970? We protect voters' rights and that we protect the, the peaceful transfer of power, Senator Lee. But for you to talk about the importance of the, the Electoral College, I think, is rich. I think you, you know exactly how important it is. And I think you knew how important it was when you sought to urge the White House that had lost an election to find fake electors to overturn the will of the people. Senator Lee, that was the most egregious... He keeps walking away from the podium. ...of our nation's constitution in its history by a U.S. senator, I believe, and it will be your legacy. Senator Lee is still casting doubt. Please. Look, I... Sen Ladies and gentlemen, you just took about seven or eight minutes away from the candidates. We're here to hear them. Senator Seven Lee, or eight minutes, really? ...advised spurious so-called legal efforts to mislead tens of millions of Americans that the election had been stolen. And congratulations... It ain't normal anymore, Scott Comet. ...this year, and even tonight, you're still casting doubt on the legitimacy of the election. No, you're, doing a tr you're doing a tremendous disservice to this country, Senator Lee. You have betrayed your oath to the Constitution with this. It is a t and, and for this state, Utah, that was I'm thinking seconds too. Like my ancestors and yours who sacrificed greatly to finally realize true freedom for you to represent this state and to cast away, to abandon, to throw away 14 generations of American leadership, I think is a travesty. Senator Lee, a 30 second rebuttal. Evan, that's not true. It is. You know, that's not true. 
You, sir, owe me an apology. Listen. In the days leading up to January 6th, when the votes were going to be open and counted, I had a job to do. There were rumors circulating, suggesting that some states were considering switching out their slates of electors. If that were true, I would need to know about it. I did research on that. I made phone calls to figure out whether the rumors were true. The rumors were We're false. hopefully going to watch it after on this. basis, I voted to certify the results of the election. Senator Lee, thank you. Thank you. There are other aspects of this, but again, please, I would ask our audience, you know, so far about 15 or 20 seconds have been taken from what our listening audience, our viewing audience, and people want to hear from the candidates. Please, we asked you. Invited you nicely. <laughs> Admonished the crowd again. We could hear from the candidates themselves. I do want to, I, I'm going to, I'm going to put a, several of these aside because we're already running a little bit behind time. But I want to ask this question. How do you characterize the events that happened on January 6th at the U.S. Capitol? And we'll start with Evan McMullen on this one. It was a violent insurrection with the intention of overturning the American Republic. You know, I I think about my ancestors again who fought in the Revolutionary War, Senator Lee, and who fled religious persecution on the East Coast and trekked across the plains and the Rockies to achieve freedom here. I think about the men and women who I served with in the CIA who left the warmth of their homes and the love of their families to risk their lives not knowing if they would ever come home in order to stop terrorists who were intent on destroying freedom in America. I think about all the men and women, the 14 generations of Americans who have sacrificed for this grand experiment in freedom. They trusted you. We trusted you. And with that trust and with your knowledge of the Constitution, Senator Lee, you sought to find a weakness in our system. You advised the White House, find an alternative slate of electors for Trump to overturn the will of the people. That's what you said. You said that that the president should listen to legal quack Sidney Powell. Please make time for her. Let her in, you told the White House chief of staff. You told the president that you were working overtime, 14 hours a day, I think you said, to unravel this for him, to keep a president who had been voted out of office according to the will of the people in power despite the will of the people. Senator Lee, it is a betrayal of the American Republic. You were there to stand up for our, converse, for our Constitution. But when the barbarians were at the gate, you were happy this to This is Utah. Them. He is not a Democrat. He is an Next, independent. And we will give you an additional 11 seconds. And he stands a chance in this race. I, I think I disagree with everything my opponent just said, including the words but, and, and the. Um, it was... An information-free, truth-free statement uh, that's uh, something of a record. Look, um, there is absolutely nothing to the idea uh, that I would have ever supported, ever ever did support a fake electors plot. Nothing. There's not a scintilla of evidence suggesting that. And yet you continue to insist on cavalier, reckless disregard for the truth. This is sad. This is troubling. It's also entirely consistent with your adopted political party. You have sought for, actively courted, and obtained the endorsement of the Democratic Party. You've raised millions of dollars from Act Blue, uh, the uh, database on which far-left, progressive, socialist, democratic donors can be found. 
And then you have, in the last quarter alone, spent $1.6 million feeding the Democratic industrial complex. So it's not surprising to me that you would come here today and spout not only lies, but lies that are specific to the leftist cause, laws, lies that are specific to the Democratic Party, and lies that certainly are not applicable to me. Yes, there were people who behaved very badly on that day. I was not one of them. I was one of the people trying to dismantle this situation, trying to stop it from happening, because I believe in this document written by the hands of wise men raised up by God to that very purpose. I followed it. I studied it. <laughs> And I defended it to a team. We'll have 30 seconds here in a moment. For you to suggest otherwise looks right in the face of truth and in the face of the Constitution. How dare you, sir? Mr. McMullen, you have 30 seconds. How dare you, Senator sir? Lee has been doing this thing with his pocket Constitution for the last several years. Senator Lee, it is not a prop. It is not a prop. I guess they allow props on this one, yeah. Literally, the Constitution is not a prop for you to wave about, and then when it's convenient for your pursuit of power, to abandon without a thought. That's what you've done with that, okay? If you're committed to the Constitution, then stand up for our free and fair elections. Stand up for the peaceful transfer of power. You did so. You voted to certify the election in the last moment, in the same way that someone knows of you know, uh, a, a plot that isn't quite working out ought to abandon it. That's what you did. But look, Senator Lee is retreating to a safe space. Again, these are his broken politics of right versus left, Republicans versus Democrats. Senator Lee, you know I'm not a Democrat, but you're not worried about that. You're worried about the fact that I'm an independent and that I'm building a cross-partisan coalition of Republicans, Democrats, and independents and members of third parties to replace you and to stand up to your broken politics and those of the party bosses and special interests who line your pockets. That's what I'm doing, and I know it frightens you, because if you can keep us divided, then that's how you hold on to power. You're used to that. But we're building a cross-partisan coalition to replace you, Senator Lee, and it must be done. Okay, Senator Lee, we're going to give you a 30-second rebuttal to that. I, I wasn't going to call that, but I, I think we should in this case. This is not a prop, and I don't carry it as a prop. This is a reference manual. I carry it with me next to my heart because I refer to it daily, constantly. You'd be surprised at how often it comes in handy to have it right there. My colleagues have come to depend on it because they know I've always got one. The words matter. I've followed the words. You distort the truth, and you should be ashamed. I mentioned that uh, students here at Utah Valley University were going to be participating in tonight's debate, and we're very pleased now to go to UVU student McKenna Briggs for the next question. Hi, my name is McKenna Briggs. Um, I'm an intern with Governor Herbert's Institute for Public Policy, and I'm majoring in political science. My question for you is you've both expressed opposition to President Biden's student loan forgiveness executive order. What solutions do you have um, for the student loan crisis? And this goes to Senator Lee first. First and best thing that the federal government could do with regard to student loans is get out of the student loan business. It has no business there. Look, um, we have to remember how this came about, how it originated. The only reason we got in to the student loan business is because enterprising Democrats during the debates leading up to the passage of Obamacare wanted to pay for it. They wanted a funding mechanism. They wanted a way for the federal government to borrow money at a lower interest rate, loan it back out at a higher interest rate, milking American students all over the country and pocketing the difference to fund Obamacare. This was wrong. Not entirely it was also true. wrong to put that much power 
in the federal government, in the executive branch of Not government. Not entirely false, either. In the president himself. So the way we deal with that is put it back in the private sector. Leave the federal government out of it. And for heaven's sakes, we must never again pass legislation that can even be read as giving the president such sweeping power. He was wrong here. This statute doesn't give him that power. The fact that he can even make a, a colorable claim to that effect is itself disgraceful. Mr. McMullen. Look, I think also that, that the federal government has played a, a, a tragic role in elevating the prices of, of higher education. It shouldn't cost as much as it is. It's now out of reach of many Americans, and I fear even middle-class Americans as well. It's far too expensive. I don't agree with, with Senator Lee that the federal government should be entirely out of that, but it has to be more careful. This fed, the federal government has played a role in inflating higher education costs. And, and I'm concerned that Joe Biden's decision here has also contributed to inflation or will contribute to inflation. I believe that we should have debt forgiveness programs for those in public service like teachers and police officers and those in the military and, and in other roles serving the country. But it should have been a more narrowly focused program, and he should work with Congress in order to design it and implement it. That is what I think is required. But we have got to reform our system for financing higher education, and it does mean lessening the federal government's role. I still think the federal, federal government does have a role to play, especially for, for low-income students or for people who otherwise wouldn't be, wouldn't be able to afford higher education. But it has contributed to inflation of the worst kind in higher education, and we have to reform that to bring prices down. Thank you for your two responses. And we mentioned that we have uh, invited social media participants to send us their questions and thoughts. And this one from social media. To Since they brought up the, the issue, I just want to drop this in the chat. Security, this is the application, which Medicare, is now open, to go apply for your student debt relief. Well, well both of these guys. I believe that Social Security and Medicare are important uh, uh, elements of our social fabric in America. Uh, yeah, I'll work with anybody who wants to ensure our seniors' future. Uh, I think the biggest challenge right now is our fiscal irresponsibility as a country. And I, again, I'm talking about both parties. Both parties are guilty of fiscal responsibility. And only when both parties work together can we get our fiscal house in order. Uh, but, you know, uh, entering unnecessary wars has, has uh, weakened our fiscal system. I have not applied. I need to get uh, on it. Failing to stand up to special interest groups in our health care system that make us pay more for, for uh, prescription drugs and for other uh, types of health care than almost anyone else in the world. Spending too much on dated weapon systems from decades ago because we're not willing to stand up to special interest groups on that front. We should be spending more wisely. All of that recklessness is putting Social Security and Medicare at risk. I will not balance our budget on the backs of seniors. Senator Lee. I agree. We, we have to honor the promises made to America's seniors who paid into these programs for decades. We can't walk away from that. Now, look, we have seen the peril in putting this power in the federal government, which is why I've long supported the concept of uh, allowing people over time, perhaps people in their 20s or 30s, to designate their Social Security, their Medicare money to go into something that they control. The reason I say this is that look at what, what's happened over time. I've had to object on countless occasions, including once at two or three in the morning, when Congress, in the middle of the night, under color of darkness, raided the Social Security Trust Fund in order 
to pay for reckless runaway spending. Tragically, this was Republicans and Democrats alike. So yes, we need to honor those things. And we also need to reform them to make it more difficult for Congress to raid seniors' money. Thank you to both of you, and we have now reached a point in the evening. We're at the halfway point of the We've Senate reached a point, indeed. Incumbent, incumbent Mike Lee and independent challenger. We've reached a point. I'm not high enough for this year. KSL Radio and Television. And again, as we already have, we're still taking your questions during this live broadcast, and you can use the hashtag UTDebates on social media. And let's get back to the issues. Let me ask this question, and then we're going to go to one of our students again here at Utah Valley University. Let's talk about inflation. It's an issue that is front and forward for everybody in the country, but here in the state of Utah, who do you feel bears most of the responsibility? Well, do the hoagie pokey and turn yourself around then. Is it the federal government, or is it large business, big corporations? And we That's start with one. Senator Lee this time. In the late 1970s, the last time we saw a major raft of inflation, uh, similar questions were asked to Milton Friedman, the aforementioned Nobel Prize-winning economist. He, uh, he was asked, you know, is it speculative investing? Is it trade unions? Uh, is it international trade? What is it? And he said, in the United States of America, inflation has but one cause. It is federal spending, reckless, excessive federal spending. So it, it is Congress. It's Congress that's spent way Do too much. Do not let anyone fool you. It's the inability to tax rich people. Leading opponent of that excessive spending. But they've ratcheted it up to a whole new level. We thought it was too much cowbell before. They gave it 10 times the cowbell. As soon as the Democrats obtained dual control of the Houses of Congress and the White House at the same time, they said yes to everything Joe Biden asked for. Cowbell? We brought in record-breaking revenue to the federal government last year. Over $4 trillion. More oh, revenue yeah. than we've ever brought in in the past. More revenue than just a few years ago the federal government spent in a whole year. And I'm talking Social Security, the defense, and everything in between. The problem was, while we brought I in... I think he said cowbell. We spent nearly seven. This happened because Joe Biden had a, a dual backstop in Congress. What we need now more than ever is a Republican-controlled Senate. If you want that... And to bring inflation under control. That's an interesting position. Mr. McMullen. To get up here and say we don't need more cowbell. Uh, where was Senator Lee when, when President Trump was spending recklessly during an expansionary period? Senator Lee will say that he was voting no. But I'll tell you what, it didn't work. We still added to the debt during that time. We're adding more now and on and on and on. The job of a senator, especially representing our state, has to be to stand up to leaders of both parties, to Joe Biden and to Donald Trump. That's what's required, Senator Lee, because both parties are spending recklessly. And you vote no. And, and let me say, Senator, I think it's right that a senator should be willing to stand even alone and vote no. And you're very good at that. But you know what? It can't be the only thing you do. That's not the job of the senator. The job of a senator... It does seem that Mike Lee's official position is less cowbell. The Republican Party's official position is less cowbell. That alone disqualifies... Now, Senator Romney, they worked and work together across party lines to solve problems, Senator Lee. They don't only vote no, they're at the table negotiating a better deal for Utah and our country, and I'm committed to doing that on our spending and on every other issue. 
Senator Lee, you've asked for a rebuttal. I'll join you. Yeah, we've long had a problem where we've had at least 50 Democrats, all 50 Democrats, willing to vote for any amount of spending. And tragically, you've typically had at least 10 Republicans willing to cross party lines to vote for the Democrats' spending priorities. Look, I, I call that President Trump all the time. I voted less with President Trump than anyone else other than Rand Paul and Susan Collins. In fact, I call that President Trump uh, about spending bills specifically, including one time when he called me on my airplane coming back to Utah, and I told him it was a huge mistake. I called him out in public and in private, on a train, in the rain, with a fox in, in a box, every time I got the chance. There we go. Okay, he pulled the Dr. Seuss now. That's coming to us from social media, and we're very pleased to. I do not like Mike Lee in Utah. I do not like him. In America are out with of control. A, a, what a would you saw. do to make them more? <laughs> I, I fucked that one up. I'm we sorry, go to Mr. McMullen. Yeah. Well, look, we. I feel embarrassment with that. Taxpayer to fully negotiate on prescription drugs as a part of a free market. And right now, that's not what we have. We pay more for prescription drugs in our country than almost anyone on earth. And it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. You know, my opponent, Senator Lee, who's taken over $4 million from special interest groups during his time in the Senate. Yes, we count, Senator Lee. We've counted it up. It's well over $4 million. A lot of that coming from special interest groups in, the, in Big Pharma who are paying you and putting money in your pockets. Senator Lee, you consistently vote against and introduce bills that prevent the taxpayer Garçon. from freely negotiating in a market. Garçon means boy. And you're so proud of your work on that. But all it does is make big pharma companies, it allows them to charge Americans far more than they should. Do you think it's right that we pay more for prescription drugs here in America than almost any other people in any other country? Is that right? I wonder if you'd be so proud and if you'd have that same smirk if a woman named Ann, who I met on the campaign trail were here, she pays more for life-saving prescription drugs for her child than she does for her mortgage every month. And Senator Lee, she reached out to your office pleading for help. And in response, she received a dismissive form letter. I wonder, if you'd, still, I wonder if you'd still here. be smirking if she were here today, We're Senator Lee. We're over 30 Lee. seconds, and we'll make that time good on your side, Senator Lee. Oh, yeah, he's a Weasley bastard. Competition lowers prices, and it brings up quality. What we need is competition. That's why I've long supported... Insurance is cheaper when everyone's in the pool because it disperses risk. On how insurance works. With regulatory systems that we can trust. Now, I'm with Bernie Sanders on this one, feeling the burn. Uh, drives the drug companies absolutely so Medicare for all. But I support it because it's free market, and it's free market in a way that would bring about more competition and lower prices. What my opponent has just suggested to you as freely negotiating is code. It's democratic code, democratic code for price controls. He supports price controls as recently enacted into the Orwellian-named Inflation Reduction Act, which does nothing of the sort. What we know about price controls is that they shift well, around. Price controls are in the Inflation Reduction Act. Increases, but they leave people with fewer options, less viable medical care. That is the last thing we need in the United States of America. Thank you, gentlemen, for your responses. And we mentioned just a moment ago we have a student on deck with us. Oh, okay. From Univers uh, Utah State University student. Good. Good evening. Good evening to both of you. Good evening. My Hell of a haircut, kid. Policy. 
Um, looking looking sure. Recent events. The possibility of war seems to be the most likely it's ever been for most college students. Russia, China, North Korea, and Iran have become increasingly aggressive and bold militarily. Perhaps he How means nuclear war. foreign policy in the Senate to ensure the United States remains internationally dominant in times of both peace and war. If I could jump in here as we throw it to we, Senator We have Lee been first. at war for the last the 22 years. Minute, uh, for the remainder 21 years. So we can hopefully get into some other issues. So, Senator Lee. Yeah, lots to cover in a, in a minute. There are things we have to do right away. First is invest in hard power. We need to increase the size of our naval fleet. We need to invest in systems uh, like the updated, modernized international ballistic mich missile system. Um, uh, we've got to do those things immediately as far as the soft power side of things go. We need robust bilateral trade agreements with other countries in Asia to offset China. And we could do that if we continue to work with the other Quad countries, including and especially India and, and of course, Australia and Japan. If we had more of that free trade, China would be less belligerent. We also need a Republican offset to a president who's not all there. I feel like the U.S. is more belligerent than China. Voted. A president who has been saber-rattling and speaking of Armageddon under circumstances that are deeply troubling to all of us. Emma See, McMahon. we heard that dude last well, night on the phone I, I say that as well. I have, have had times of frustration over the last several years in the options being provided to us at the presidential level by both parties. In 2016, as you recall, you voted for me out of that frustration when you stood on principle, as you should have. Yeah. So, so look, I, I think that you know, we have to strengthen our relations with, with other free nations. I agree that trade is absolutely critically important, especially on the Pacific Rim side. We need to invest in advanced technologies. We need to do all of these things. So Senator Lee and I have some agreement, at least based on your comments tonight on these things. But I'll, I'll tell you what is also important. Well, China doesn't bomb the shit out of countries. China goes in and builds infrastructure and then like, spies on you through that infrastructure they build. It's more nefarious. Only member of Utah's congressional delegation, not, he already knows where I'm going, not to be blacklist, blacklisted by Vladimir Putin. It's just an incredible distinction. But you know, there's, there's a reason why. It's because in 2017, Senator Lee was one of only two senators to vote against sanctioning Putin's regime. Then in 2019, he went to Russia alone and discussed lifting sanctions with him. He has voted repeatedly against supporting Ukraine. He has. He has. Hey, Mr. McMullen, we are. Out I could of go time. on and on. We are out of time. And Senator We've got Lee, to stand you've up asked for a dictators. rebuttal. Instead of 30 seconds, we'll give you 45 seconds. I voted against the sanction bill because Interest. it was cobbled together in a piece of legislation with some progressive ideology. Perhaps you're okay with that. I was not. I voted against it. As far as going to Russia, yeah, I went to Russia at the invitation of my friend, mentor, and former boss, John Huntsman, who was then the U.S. ambassador to Russia. I did so because I needed to stand up for religious freedom. I forgot all about John Huntsman. Americans imprisoned for their religious beliefs in Russia, and I found this unacceptable. That's why I went there. As to why they haven't blacklisted me, I don't know. I'd love to be blacklisted there. I've been banned for life from China. I hope Russia will ban me next. But for you to suggest, as you have repeatedly, that I'm some sort of fan of Vladimir Putin is absolutely false and disgraceful. We'll okay, see let's move on to another food. question. Uh, uh, please, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for making that brief so we can move on.
How are both of you thinking about the legal question that arises from the Dobbs decision from the Supreme Court where different states now oh, here we go. can and will have different laws on how to handle abortion? And I believe we're starting with... Uh, How's McMullen going to answer this? I'm waiting for the magic voice in my ear, and apparently they have abandoned me. So let's start with <laughs> Mr. McMullen. Well, well, look, now, now that states are, are making decisions on this issue... Uh, I, I think that it's producer under the bus. important that, that we find a constructive way forward on the issue. I'm pro-life, and I've always believed in the sanctity of life. And I oppose the extremes on both sides of this issue. Those, that would, that those in, who are in favor of, of late-term abortions on demand or those who would ban abortions without exceptions. I think that's wrong. This issue is dividing our country unnecessarily. It doesn't have to be this way. There is a more constructive way forward. It's making contraception more available, doing more to support women, children, and families, and imparting the right values to our youth. That's what we can do to, to lower the abortion rate in America. Some of these bills that I see being passed around the country are extreme, like this idea that we would force a 10-year-old rape victim to carry a pregnancy to term. That's wrong. And my opponent has defended these bills. And I think you have, Senator, you have... I watched the tape myself. Senator Lee, you have defended these bills. I watched the tape this morning, you defending the Texas bill, okay, for example. Okay, we'll have Senator Lee respond yeah. at this point. As a pro-life American who loves the Constitution deeply, I'm thrilled with the Dobbs decision. Roe versus Wade was a legal fiction cut out of a whole cloth from the imagination of a few Supreme Court justices. I'm glad it's been overturned. And this authority has finally been returned to the states where it belongs. Uh, I, I respect the fact that you, you used to be uh, of the same agreement. You used to agree with me that Roe versus Wade was really wrong. You went on MSNBC a few months ago and said you defended it, and you opposed efforts to undo it. You also derided as extreme Utahns and Utah for having a law that strongly protects unborn human life. As far as where we go from here, now that it's been returned to the states where it belongs, I believe that is where it belongs. And with a small handful of exceptions dealing with federal funding, this is ought to be where that should, this is where it should remain because it's within the states where we can achieve the most consensus and protect the most babies. Let Let's love lift to, uh, us ABC up where we belong. Glenn Mills for our next question. Glenn? Gentlemen, as we speak, the fate of thousands of dreamers across the country lies in the balance as DACA makes its way through the court system. In the meantime, advocates are calling on Congress to act. My question is, do you support a permanent solution? And if so, what needs to be included or perhaps even excluded from the legislation for you to be able to vote for it? Senator Lee, you go first on this one. Yeah. With DACA beneficiaries, yep. I, don't, I don't think any member of Congress of either party disagrees. We have to do something. Uh, there are a lot of people who have been brought here as children, sometimes as infants, uh, by no choice of their own, by their parents. In many instances, these individuals don't even know the language of their home country, let alone know anyone there. So I, I don't know anyone in Congress who believes that they should be uh, systematically, categorically, uniformly deported. It's not physically possible, and it would seem inhumane and unlike us as uh, Americans. Uh, what I do believe is that in order for us to get to a solution that we have, we first have to secure the border. We were close. We were to the point where we could have gotten this done. This has long been a condition precedent, a bright line for me and so many others. We have control of the border. We can figure out how to deal with those in this 
status. At the end of the last administration, the border was secure for the first time in, in my lifetime as an adult. President Biden, the president for whom my opponent voted, opened up the doors. And we've had millions of illegal immigrants flowing in to the country ever since then, bringing in fentanyl, opening the door for human trafficking. This is disgraceful, and it's got to be overcome before we can come up with a permanent solution. Mr. But McMullen, we do have we'll to give have you one. 15 additional seconds. Yeah, thank you. Well, uh, let me just say, I don't think you answered the question, Mike, whether you would support citizenship. For yeah, dreamers. Mike. I'll, I'll say very clearly, <laughs> I, I would. I would. And the reason I would is because these people have been brought to America as children by their parents, perhaps others, through no fault of their own. The idea that he would even leave the door open to any deportation of them, I think, is cruel, Glenn. And I oppose it. It is. Yes, where, where do you want to send them home? This is their home, Senator Lee. Not but at I, all what but, I said, Evan. Not at all. You, would, you, would you oppose deportation of any dreamers in the United States living right. lawfully here, living law-abiding lives otherwise? You've got 36 seconds left, I suggest okay. you use yeah, it. Th thanks, Senator Lee. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. I also agree that we need to secure the border. That's important. You know, it, we can't have a, 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 an effective immigration system if we're not a nation of laws. And I do believe we need to secure our border and make a lot of other reforms to our immigration system. Immigrants are a tremendous source of strength for our country. They have made our country prosperous. In the CIA, when I served abroad, I served with many officers who had immigrated to America, and they made us stronger. I think they are a great service. To, they, they are a great source of strength for the country. Um, but I do need, believe we need to enforce our laws and secure the border. But dreamers should be given citizenship. Thank you for your responses, gentlemen. And I'd like to go to a question that has a very, very big impact on the state of Utah, but obviously it affects the entire country and elsewhere in the world. Every Utah, when we look at a map, we can easily find our state by spotting the Great Salt Lake. The lake is part of who we are, and it's in terrible shape. As a historic drought that has been going on and on, and the now recorded level of the lake is at the lowest level in recorded history. What will you do to help the Great Salt Lake survive? This is something that, yes, we have a lot to do in the state of Utah, but it's going to take some help and some coordination from Washington as well. Mr. McMullen. Absolutely. Well, this is as much an environmental issue as, is, as it is an economic issue, as, as it is a health issue. We have got to save the Great Salt Lake. Look, if elected, I am committed to ensuring that we have the resources. You know, we pay, we send billions of dollars every year as Utahns to the federal government, and we need some of that money back to strengthen our water infrastructure. We've also got to improve our conservation practices. It's both of those things. Unfortunately, my opponent routinely votes against bills that would improve water infrastructure. He did it this year. He did it in the year before. Meanwhile, Senator Romney has worked hard and consistently over the past three years. I think it's important. He works with <laughs> somebody just laugh at that? Senator Lee to deliver for Utah. And he voted in favor of the bipartisan infrastructure bill that you voted against. And now tens of millions of dollars have already been directed to Utah to strengthen our water infrastructure. You voted against that. You voted against the Safe Water Drinking Act in the year before that. You were one of only two senators to do so. Meanwhile, our state is in the middle of a, of a severe drought. We need leaders who are going to work across party lines 
to solve problems and ensure that we have what we need to strengthen our water infrastructure and conservation practices. Senator Lee, you have an additional 15 seconds. I agree that water storage infrastructure is an important part of this puzzle. When rain stops falling at the rate it usually uh, has fallen in the past, we have to deal with it. We can't just legislate more water, and so sometimes we need to transport water from one part of the state to the other. I've repeatedly, emphatically, strongly and boldly stood up for the need for more water storage infrastructure. Yeah, I voted against that bill, a bill that spent uh, uh, well over a trillion dollars, more than we had, uh, on all sorts of things that were not appropriately federal. This one was. Two-thirds of our land is federal. Uh, but it's not just the money that we need. It's also the studies that we need. Congressman Moore has introduced legislation calling for studies so that we can understand why this is happening. But more than anything, we need permitting reform. The need to build water storage infrastructure is often thwarted and slowed, sometimes by decades, by NEPA and other permitting restrictions that can delay these projects for decades at a time. I've introduced a bill called the Unshackle Act, along with a a plethora of, of other proposals that would streamline federal permitting. It's the single best thing that we can do to help the Great Salt Lake and the rest of our state along with it. We have standing on deck now from the Salt Lake Tribune, the political editor, Jeff Parrott. Jeff? Good evening, John. On gentlemen. deck, motherfuckers. Utahns of senior commercials. We certainly saw the signs on the way in. Some of these ads have been paid for by your campaign. Professional fluffer. Political action committees not directly affiliated you live in with sexual anarchy. Well, campaigns can't legally coordinate their messaging with PACs, candidates are not stopped from speaking out against ads that they didn't endorse. Are there any outside PAC ads that were published on your behalf that didn't share your values? Senator Lee, you're first on this one, and we are going to ask you to stick right on the clock. We're getting close to the end of the program. We want time for your closing statements. I want to make clear, my TV ads don't talk about my opponent. My TV ads have mentioned my opponent only once a couple months ago. We referred correctly to the fact that he voted for Joe Biden. Other than that, it's been about me. You see, I mean, uh, did you see the choices? Or something that you say shouldn't matter. You say you want to put country over party. I respect that. Parties on, are a important proxy. They're an important proxy for ideas. You see, because it's ideas more than parties that tell the people how you will vote. You owe it to them. You, Evan, have refused to talk about ideas. Refused to talk about which party you'd join. You little Evan, you. Ideas. Instead, you're asking the people to put faith, blind trust in you. It's your judgment. That is not how we lead to a good policy outcome. And so for that reason, I, I talk about my ideas in my ads. I would suggest that you do the same. As for outside groups, they don't use the same messaging I use. You can tell what messaging I think is best by what I use. Yours are attack hits. Hit pieces, every single one of them. Your time now, Mr. McMullen. First of all, that's just not true, Senator Lee. Not all of our ads uh, point out distinctions between us. But, but sen sen Senator Lee, the question, was, the question was, did you oppose any of the attack ads by outside groups on your side? Now, one of the groups a far-right special interest group that you're quite beholden to, ran, yeah, that's true, Senator Lee, ran an ad that doctored an interview of mine in order to make it seem as though I said something that I didn't. And Senator Lee, why can't you condemn that? Do you need the lies? Look, we've got to protect voters' access to truth. We've got to... Tell me lies, and, and tell me sweet little lies. On, on my side that have been supporting me 
have, I think, been quite fair, Senator Lee. They've talked about your votes. Those are a matter of public records, and those have been quite fair. I'm running as an independent because our, our politics are broken. Senator Lee wants you to think party, party, party. Your party owns your vote. That it's all about party all the time, party all the time. I reject that. We need, I need to quit if singing. If we prevail, it will make Utah the most influential state in the union. From Lee, we're getting it's very, very little. It's very important that we have plenty of time for the uh, closing comments, which we have promised to each candidate. We are on television, so it's very, very close. We've got to hit Senator Lee is a thirsty so, boy. Mullen, you have the first opportunity by the random choice. Well, thank you very much, and thank you all who have joined us in person and, and via television. Look, again, I'll say, our politics in America are broken. Party bosses of both sides have far too much influence. Special interest groups who have given Senator Lee over $4 million during his time in the Senate by the people we elect, and they remain accountable to them, not us. The extremes in our politics have far too much influence in the Republican and Democratic parties. And that is not the Utah way. They don't represent most of us. Our politics are broken. Utah way is slapping your sister wife. Risk. Most of us know that our country, it feels as though we're, we're coming apart now because of the broken politics you hear from my opponent. If we prevail in this race, it will Because the man wouldn't have a sister wife. The, one the of the wives would have a sister wife. I'm fucked through the up. Senate I'm sorry. without Utah's I'm just support. not on top of my and game I know tonight. That with that influence, we will do a tremendous good, not only for ourselves, but for the country. Thank you, Mr. McMullen. And Senator Lee. If this were an ordinary year, if we weren't staring right down the barrel of a deep and dark economic recession, if we weren't seeing reckless federal spending causing us to careen into a situation where we're seeing spikes in inflation, uh, spikes in interest. I knew a careen one time. And spikes in the price of gas. He was a nice lady. We're seeing our adversaries around the world saber-rattling with nuclear weapons and a president speaking of Armageddon. Perhaps, perhaps in that moment, seriously entertaining. This is like the, the third time that's come up and like I just don't feel like that movie was good enough to keep bringing it up. Party. Might make for interesting dinner table conversation, but this is not an ordinary year. Look, you know who I am. You know what I fight for. I fight for religious freedom. I fight for personal liberty and did so during He's COVID. Cry. I fight and will continue to fight for criminal justice reform. And I'm leading the effort on bipartisan reform to make sure that we don't ever go to war without Congress approving it. Our I love our country and our state, and I humbly ask for your vote. Our thanks to Senator Mike Lee, please. He's popular as that crowd, clearly. Lee and Evan McMullen for participating tonight and for your uh, desires to serve in public office. Election Day is Tuesday, November 8th. I, there's still like four, three minutes to go in this, in this hour. You did not use every second you had at your disposal, sir. your vote count during this election cycle. This debate and others from this and previous years are available online at utahdebatecommission.org. We appreciate the panelists and their contributions and those who submitted questions in advance or used social media tonight to add their input. We also what the fuck are you talking about? Many broadcasters who have aired tonight's debate. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. And now your applause. Now you can clap, bitches. <laughs>
Uh, so, um, still waiting on this news channel to upload the debate because they're the ones that did it. And they, they ain't done it yet. Uh, has Tim Pool been making videos about a red wave? Is that going on? That would make sense. Got the dude that called in last night. <laughs> Man, I can't. I put that clip up on YouTube right before we came on. I, I, I like the I like the thumbnail I made for it. I tried. <laughs> I tried to, you know, highlight all the different things that we, we, we discussed. You got Dinesh D'Souza, his mugshot. You got an exploding Tesla. You got a mushroom cloud back here. My right-wingers are morons in the background. Here's a pipeline. I put his logo in there. I got his logo from the YouTube. There's a Trump smiling in the background. DM Productions. Dude uh, came back for more in the Discord. Psych- Psychics predicting World War Three. Now that's that's good content. I just I I don't know. Fearborn cells. I don't know how anybody is Temple stupid and doesn't realize what he's doing, or is he smart and does realize what he's doing? He's just a stupid motherfucker that stumbled into the algorithm and it pushed him to have certain opinions and adopt certain a certain style. He believes his own shit. Am I gonna stream on ED? I I don't like all this talk about like oh World War Three and shit. The dude last night kept saying like oh the the president is is fear mongering and trying to take us into World War Three. It's like you seem to be the one that's fear mongering right now. And, and basically his evidence for that was like we looked up a, a quote that Zelensky said that apparently the translator got wrong when she or he was translating them. And they went back and, and, and retranslated it. I mean, it's just always stupid shit like that that right-wingers are all up in arms about. And it's just, it gets... It gets exacerbating. I don't always like dealing with... I like doing my show over here where we're talking about, you know, real shit. We learn shit. We look up words. We add to our vocabulary. We learn We learn about the happenings in the world. We're not talking about drama. My God, I don't like drama. And apparently Twitch drama is where it's at. Like, if you want to you get big on Twitch, you, like, go and, like, pick a fight with other Twitch streamers. I mean, I've done that somewhat. 
how to make friends and influence people. I just don't, I don't, I like being chill. I want to learn things. I want to, I want to come off of this stream being more educated and more aware of what is going on than when I started the stream. And I think most nights we do a pretty good job of that. Some nights we don't. I apparently like that's a that's a big thing in the the Twitch drama is is attracting a lot of eyeballs or some shit. I like we're our beef is our beef is with people spreading misinformation and shit. The dude last night, I feel sorry for him. I feel sorry for him. He's just, and he's still, he's over here in the, in the discord talking shit. Don't be so certain of yourself. Learn to feel embarrassment. I feel embarrassment. There is shit that I say on this stream. I misspeak. And then, like, I lay in bed at night and, like, my God, I can't believe I said that stupid shit. Yeah, but the difference is I ain't making no fucking money. Well, except somebody tipped me $20 last night. Fucking thank you to whoever did that. Love you very much. And I never, I know, I don't want to be a, I don't want to be an influencer. If I wasn't doing this on stream, my dream job would be like on AM radio. Modest proposals. Are you a, are you a Jonathan Swift fan? Is that the name of the author? It was Swift. All right. I'm now, now, now I'm, I'm second guessing myself. Did I get the author? The reason why you conservatives will lose a war. You think you just stumbled into a conservative stream? Are you on crack? Cicero, thank you for making it rain. I was on crack. Right. You, right. You on crack? <coughs> Wrong neighborhood. We, sir, uh, this is a Wendy's. Around these parts, we believe that right-wingers are morons. I'm trying to wait around, see if we get a, a J.D. Vance-Tim Ryan debate. I didn't plan anything for tonight. I didn't actually, I was just going to... We can serve pot around here. Who can serve pot around here? Who's taking offense? I believe you have completely misjudged the room. <laughs> oh. oh shit! Up yours, woke moralists. We'll see who cancels. The media winch making it rain. God, I love you guys. Came in hot. Came in hot. Yeah, we'll let, let's group hug. Can we group? Hug? 
Oh, the debate is up. Do we have the debate? Is it on their YouTube channel where I was just looking? Just refreshed it. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, but I am, I'm going to make you guys, uh, I'm going to make you guys wait out a commercial break though, because I didn't take a tinkle and refill my drink during the last one. So when we come back, we're going to do the Ohio Senate debate between, uh, Democratic nominee, Tim Ryan and Republican nominee, J.D. Vance. This is an open seat. It could be a pickup for Democrats. A Republican currently holds it. It is very pivotal in the race to see who holds the Senate come November 8th. We will be covering this debate on the other side of the break. Patrol Patrol Live. All right, I got more drink. I took a tinkle. You're ready to go. This is the Ohio Senate debate between the Democratic nominee, Tim Ryan, and the Republican nominee, J.D. Vance. From 21 News, your place for politics. The candidates for the U.S. Senate face off for the final time. Love you guys making it rain up in here. This is the U.S. Senate debate on 21 WFMJ. Tonight's debate is nestled in the grand ballroom of Stambaugh Auditorium. This magnificent venue... Even Curious is excited. This, it, it was an exciting debate last time. It's become a historic event venue that has landed on the National Register of Historic Places and a premier facility for the arts in the Mahoning Valley. Good evening. I'm Chris Serenelli. This magnificent venue is the backdrop for tonight's second of Oh my god. Of course media wins. in Ohio. Tonight's debate format is going to be very simple. It's going to be an open dialogue that encourages in-depth conversation, all in the hopes of giving you the viewer a clearer picture. Ma'am, ma'am, I believe uh now I want to you live in sexual anarchy. Moderators, 21 News anchor Derek Steyer. All right. Thank you, Chris. And thank you to our candidates tonight, Tim Ryan and J.D. Vance, for being here and giving voters another opportunity for to, to hear from you. Joining me in questioning. All right. Whoever this dude is, I fucking love him. He's cool as fuck. He's the coolest person in that room. And to my right is veteran Mahoning Valley journalist Bertram D'Souza. Let's not waste any Bertram D'Souza, you are cool, dude. Inflation is the top issue of concern among voters. From what we pay for groceries, gas, and everyday essentials. Congressman Ryan, you voted in support of the Inflation Reduction Act, which you claim will, quote, bring down prices. But some economists and Republicans do not believe this bill will do that as it spends more federal money. Why do you still stand behind this legislation? This is an opportunity for us, one, to reduce inflation. One of the big drivers, and let me first say, um, I know how much pain people are in. At the pump, with food, it's rough. And if you're driving anywhere, if you're a home health care worker, if you're a construction worker, it's been brutal, and I understand that. And that's Boot why stick. For tax cut in the short term uh, to put money in people's pockets. J.D. said that that was a gimmick, but it's actually an opportunity for us to put more money in people's pockets. The Inflation Reduction Act also drives down uh, our deficit by $300 billion, which will help pull some money out of the economy. And one of the big drivers of inflation is that our supply chains are locked up. So over the last 30 or 40 years, there were a lot of really wealthy people 
and Democrats and Republicans passed trade deals that shipped our jobs overseas. Now, here we have a pandemic, economic collapse, our supply chains aren't here. And so the Inflation Reduction Act is, said, is saying, how do we bring the supply chains back? And that's what we've been working on here. We've seen a stream of investments here in Ohio since the Inflation Reduction Act passed in electric vehicles, in batteries. Honda just announced a huge investment here. Uh, the solar industry up in Toledo, hundreds of millions of dollars uh, in investments. We are now natural gas. Uh, was a big part of the Inflation Reduction Act, which I helped get that in there because I think that's a huge bridge for us and a job creator here in Ohio. So that's how we eventually get it down. But in the short term, the answer is a tax cut for working people. It's not a gimmick. It's an actual economic tool to help relieve some of the pressure. And Raise taxes on rich people. What do you do to solve the inflation problem if elected? Come on, man. So first of all, we have to appreciate that we're talking about $2 trillion in additional federal spending. That's not going to reduce inflation. That's adding more fuel to the fire. What in the fuck is going on in the chat? <laughs> Podcast listeners, I'm sorry to, to pause the debate. But, like, I don't know what the fuck Modest Proposals over here is talking about. The fuck are you doing, sir? Calm the fuck down. <laughs> I just, I, I, I don't, I don't know what they're on about. If you're new here, my name is Justin Freakin. I, I do the news. I used to do the news on 11 radio stations. I was a writer for four different newspapers. I've worked as a production tech for a local TV station. Uh, Now I do streaming. I I stream the news and your mom. And I do the news my way. And that's high with a lot of cussing. Uh, I'm I'm left of center. That's That's pretty obvious. But I'd say the chat is further left than I am. I'm pretty institutionalist. I believe in electoral politics. And that's what we cover here. I stream your mom. I don't I don't know who you're talking about is an opposition. Who's in opposition to you? Nobody's your opposition here. We're just sitting here doing the news and we're streaming debates. And we're we're probably making fun of both candidates most of the time. Uh Stacey Abrams did pretty good earlier in the Georgia debate. In the Utah debate, it was an independent who was more right-leaning and a Republican. And here in the Ohio debate, we have a pretty solid um, worker-backed Democrat, uh, kind of in the vein of Sherrod Brown, who is the other senator from Ohio. So I don't... What are you on about, dude? Do you want to talk... Do you want to hop in the Discord? Like we'll we'll come back to the we'll come back to the debate if you want to. Do you want to hop in the Discord or do you want to call in? I don't even think I have phone lines open right now because we were doing debates and I wasn't planning on doing anything else, but we'll talk to you if you want to. Hold on. I wanna I wanna know what you're what you're all up in arms about. We'll see what. I don't. I don't know. I have no earthly idea what you're talking about, my friend. 
So the number is 917-830-4359. It's on the screen in multiple locations. You can also do bang phone in the chat. Or I'll do it for you. 917-830-4359. Or you can hop in the Discord. Because I want to know what the fuck you're talking about. Because you ain't making sense. You sound like a crazy person right now. And I want to I wanna make sense of what, what you're on about. Because you seem very passionate. And I can appreciate it that you're very passionate. Are you going to talk to me? Can we get can we get back to this debate? You sound like a fucking crazy person. We Americans will defend our rights. You sound fucking stupid, dude. Do you think we're stupid? You think we're fools? Anyway, Liberal Americans are Americans too. We don't. Dude, I got long hair and I'm wearing a bandana and I got earrings and I'm like, I look like a pirate. I got a Fu Man fucking shoe. What, what political persuasion do you think I am? Your fellow liberals. I don't know. I don't think you got any idea what 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 you're what you're on about, my friend. Anyway, I am sorry to uh, disturb. <laughs> you live in sexual anarchy. I ain't queer, but I ain't straight either. Um, I'm sorry that we we interrupted our our debate night stream. But I, I had to get a feel for what the fuck was going on in the in the chat here, and I'm still not quite sure. So, podcast audience, I apologize that I can't sum this up for you. However, I do. I I, I love all of you in the chat. The chat is awesome. Fire of inflation, and I really wish Tim Ryan had stood up to his party <clears throat> on this vote because it might have made the inflation crisis God, I love you, we've been seeing over the last few months a lot better if he hadn't done what he always does, which is vote with Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden 100 percent of the time. Now he says that I believe the tax cut is a gimmick. I think a tax cut's a great idea, but when you propose it, Tim, it is a gimmick because in your time in Congress, you voted to raise taxes 6.7 trillion dollars 113 times, and just a few weeks ago in the inflation. Reduction Act itself, it raises taxes by $20 billion on working people in this state and in this country, and then it sticks 87,000 IRS agents to go after them. I think to bring down inflation, we need to do two things. First of all, we need to stop spending money that we don't have. The runaway spending is one of the reasons why we have inflation. Larry Summers, an Obama administration economist, said if these guys pass the bill, Fuck Larry Summers. Will get worse. He was right. Democrats were right. Republicans were right. But the leadership on Capitol Hill was wrong. The other thing we have to do, Lindsay, is really open up America's energy sector. 
Joe Biden has shut down pipelines. He's shut down permitting for oil and gas leases. He's also made it impossible to invest in Ohio's oil and gas sector. That rising energy price that people see at the pump, that they see in the utility bills, that our farmers see when they're paying more for diesel, that was the direct result of policies enacted by Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi and supported 100% by Tim Ryan. Thank you, if Kevin. I may, I mean, yes. J.D., you keep talking about Nancy Pelosi. If you want to run against Nancy Pelosi, move back to San Francisco and run against Nancy Pelosi. You're running against me. I put the natural gas provisions in the Inflation Reduction Act. I was the one who made sure we had all of the investments in electric vehicles in the Inflation Reduction Act. Do you not see what's happening out at Lordstown? We have four vehicles out there. Two, a truck, two cars, and a tractor. We have a battery plant across the street that was $2.3 billion investment. This is the future for us, J.D., and I know you're not here a lot, but what we've been working on in this community and in Ohio are the jobs of the future. And the inflation, we saw a stream of investments directly after the Inflation Reduction Act. Solar, gas, batteries, electric vehicles, Honda, Ford, big companies investing into communities like ours. Foxconn has four cars out there. Honda Ford, wasn't he one of the one of the bosses on Punch Out? I don't know how much clearer this could be, but this has been a good thing. If we don't do it, you know, those pissed at Honda. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and we can't have it. Look, let me let me just address that here. So Tim Ryan says that I want to run against Nancy Pelosi. I don't care about running against Nancy Pelosi. I do care about the fact that a guy who's running to represent Ohio in the United States Senate votes with her 100 percent of the time. Now, Tim Ryan, of course, has a TV commercial out there right now. It's actually a pretty, pretty funny TV commercial, Tim. Thank you. To your team. Thank you. Uh, where he says that he, he only agrees with his own wife 70% of the time, yet he votes and agrees with Nancy Pelosi 100% of the time. It must, must make things a little awkward in the Ryan household, I suppose. But look, you vote with her 100% of the time, so you can't run from the policies that she has supported, that she has shoved down the throat of the people in Ohio. All right. Now let's talk about, can we talk about the Lordstown? Gentlemen, let's focus, let's refocus, move on to uh, the next topic. Gentlemen, political subservience is kryptonite to this hotly contested race. Schools do in the room. Congressman Ryan has called you Donald Trump's ass kisser. The implication being, you will pay any price for the endorsement and support of the former president who publicly insulted you in Youngstown. To prove the congressman wrong and to show Ohio voters that you are your own man, I would like you to identify one issue that Mr. Trump is wrong about and therefore deserving of public criticism. Well, look, I disagree with the president on a number of things. He's a friend of mine, of course. Like what? To have his endorsement. But look, the thing that, 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 that was wrong about the Trump administration is they put a lot of people in the administration, a lot of bad personnel folks, who actually advocated limitless, nonstop wars that would mean Only a lot of the best people, J.D. I grew up would have to go off and fight those wars. A guy like John Bolton, for example, should have never been national security advisor in the Trump administration. But let me address Tim Ryan's point and, and, and your question there. Donald Trump told a joke. He told a joke at a rally based on a false New York Times story, and Tim Ryan has decided to run his entire campaign on it. Now, look, Tim Ryan is publicly out there. Donald Trump doesn't joke, sir. He is a sociopath that does not have a sense of humor. He literally meant you're an ass kisser. National audience and said that he has to suck up and kiss up to Chuck Schumer. The guy who's subservient 
to the National Party is Tim Ryan, who's been begging for these guys to come into this race and save him from the campaign that he's been running. So look, it's ridiculous for him to accuse me of being anything because he has utterly failed to be independent to represent this valley, and he'll be utterly, he'll, he will utterly fail to represent the people of Ohio if he's elected to the United States Senate. So just so I get this straight, <clears throat> when the former president said, J.D. is kissing my ass because he wants my support, you took that as a joke? I, I, I know the president very well, and absolutely, he was joking about a New York Times story. That's all he was doing. No. I didn't take offense to it. I talked to the president before it. I talked to the president afterwards. Everybody there took it as a joke. This guy goes on national TV and says, I love Nancy Pelosi, and has the audacity of accusing me of kissing anyone's rear end. It's pretty rich. Okay, so we'll get to you, Congressman. Yeah. Mr. Banzer. I mean, have you seen that one picture of her on the beach? For House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and other Democratic leaders in Congress and says that you will do the bidding in the Senate. To prove him wrong, I would like you to point to an issue that Speaker Pelosi has totally bungled and therefore deserves public repudiation. Well, let me, let me just uh, first say that this is obviously a clip that J.D. is running to try to misrepresent people. I ran against Nancy Pelosi, J.D., for leadership. And you have to have the courage to take on your own leaders. These leaders in D.C., will, they, will, they will eat you up like a chew toy, right? I mean, <sighs> you were calling Trump America's Hitler. Then you kissed his ass. It's not true. It is true. And then you kissed his ass, and then he endorsed you. And you said he's the greatest president of all time. Mitch McConnell gave you $40 million to prop up your campaign. Peter Thiel gave you $15 million. That's $55 million, J.D. What do you think they want for that? You to kiss their ass. And you proved that you'll kiss their ass, too. And look, it's nothing personal. I'm just telling you, like, I've been in this business. It's tough business. If you think you're going to help Ohio, you're not. If you can't even stand up for yourself, how are you going to stand up for the people of the state? How are you going to take on the corporate interests? All the money you took are from the corporations who sent all our jobs overseas. Peter Thiel, 15 million bucks, buddy. What, what do you think he wants? There, can you answer the question? Is so there anything, I noticed how he didn't answer the question. Well, and he, and he one, did just one, attack me, so let me one, respond here. One, one, You've taken okay. tens of millions of dollars, Tim, from technology companies, from out-of-state money. How, what percent of your donors have come from the state of Ohio? A very small share. His entire campaign is based on sucking up to the national democratic establishment. And, of course, they support you, Tim, because you support their policies 100%. Now, here's what happened. He says he challenged Nancy Pelosi for. I love how their their biggest attack is you're a Democrat. Is that the price of challenging Nancy Pelosi? Can I, can I yes, doing it for yes, what a few Vance, days before you failed, like you've done with everything that you've tried to get through just, for the people? Thank you, Mr. Vance. Let me just let me uh, Derek. Let me just answer that. The quote of me saying I love Nancy Pelosi was right before I said I'm running against her. You know why? Because I don't have to hate anybody. I don't have to hate. Republicans. I don't have to hate Nancy Pelosi or Joe. I don't have to hate them. We should. We need to move the political discourse in this country from hate and anger and division to love and compassion and forgiveness and some grace. And all I'm saying is, I don't have to hate her. I took her on. I took her on. She was the top Democrat in the entire country. 
tough as nails. And I stood toe-to-toe -to -toe with her in a room full of 220 of my colleagues with her sitting in the audience, and I spoke my piece. Because when you're from the Valley, that's what you do. All right, and then, then you, you shake failed. hands. Thank you, and with her 100% hey, of the let's time. Move on. I you tried. Stand up tried to your party. Vote against Thank them. you, Mr. Vance. Just one time, Tim. Kissed Mr. Vance, thank baby. you. We're going to move on to our next Kissed his ass. Congressman Ryan, you've said that you want to go back to Roe v. Wade, which allows abortion until a fetus becomes viable anywhere from 24 to 28 weeks. But if Republicans take control of both... The, the dude's the coolest person in the room. I just want to keep pointing that, that out. seem likely. So what would you propose to protect a woman's right to choose? Well, I think at that point it would be stopping a national abortion ban. Uh, so Lindsey Graham, who is a major leader in the Republican Party in the Senate, has said Lindsey he wants Graham. a national abortion ban. And we've seen how difficult this has been here in Ohio. We see a couple stories uh, every week where women are in difficult circumstances and Ohio health care workers won't take care of them. So they have to go to Illinois or they have to go to Indiana with a tragedy, a tragedy, pregnancy through rape a tragedy towards the end of a planned pregnancy. When you have a, a room, a crib, binkies, blankets, parties planned, it's tragic. And JD and his extreme crew, they wanna have a national abortion ban. They're not happy with people having to go to Illinois. They want people to get a passport and have to go to Canada. Largest governmental overreach in the history of our lifetime. He called rape inconvenient. Like this is not a guy who's ready to protect the rights of women. These are complicated circumstances. So if, if the Republicans control the House and the Senate, we won't be able to codify Roe v. Wade, which I think is the smart move to move us away from chaos and back to some stability. So I will spend all my time trying to fight a national abortion ban. Mr. Vance, in the previous debate, you said in the case of the Ohio 10-year-old who was raped that she should have been allowed to have an abortion in the state of Ohio. We know that is one exception you support. Are there any others? Well, look, my, my basic view here is that we need to protect life in this country. And it is a very different view from where Tim Ryan stands. Now, in the particular case of that young girl, what I've said is she should be able to get an abortion in this state. And I think one obvious exception that applies there is that it's very dangerous for a young girl to bring a baby to term like that. But let's, let's just back up a second. Two things on this. Number one, the question presupposed that Tim Ryan supports codifying Roe versus Wade. Yet his actual voting record here has supported abortion without limits up to 40 weeks of pregnancy. Tim Ryan voted for a piece of legislation. This is the same thing from every Republican. Providing care to babies who survive botched abortions. That is not the Roe versus Wade standard, Tim. And as much as you call me an extremist, you're the extremist on this issue. The other thing that's important to talk about, Tim Ryan talks about this poor girl who was raped, the 10-year-old girl who had to travel to Indiana to get an abortion. Obviously, an incredibly tragic situation. I'm the father of a nine-month-old girl. It's unbelievable. I can't even imagine what it would be like to have that happen to your child, or God forbid, if you were a young woman, to have that happen to yourself. That little girl was raped by an illegal immigrant, and both the media and Tim Ryan need to be honest about the fact that she would never have been raped. They had the same reaction last time he Tim said Ryan this in the other debate. On border security. So let's talk about the full picture and the full slate of exceptions, absolutely. But let's not let the Democrats off the hook for letting these career criminals into our state to prey on our little girls in the first place. Well, what are the full slate of exceptions? Look, there are a number of different exceptions here. And here's, here's the thing that I want to say here is you 
you cannot say with total confidence what every single exception in every single case is going to be. And let me offer just a specific example here. So uh, I, I, I know a lot of pro-life people. I know people who have been pro-life since before I was born. One of the things they will tell you is they support an, an, an exception in the case of incest, for example. I've heard a number of pro-life people uh, say that. But uh, an incest exception looks different at three weeks of pregnancy versus 39 weeks of pregnancy. So I actually don't think... Women don't know they're pregnant at three weeks, you dumb shit. ...every single thing that you're going to vote for when it comes to an abortion piece of legislation. What I am willing to do, and what, what I think is a lot more helpful for voters who are actually listening to this, is to say, number one, what are my principles? My principles here are I want to save as many lives as possible, and I'd love to get us to a country where young women don't feel pressured by boyfriends, by family to have abortions, where adoption services are available, <clears throat> and where young women can get access to the health care that they need to have babies. That's some of the principles that I really Even care six about. weeks is, is kind of iffy. It's, it's that there eight weeks, legislation that I'm I would say. Talk about where, look, you talked about the Lindsey Graham bill. The Lindsey Graham bill protects babies who are four weeks and older, fully formed babies who can feel pain, and it provides reasonable I mean, six weeks, we're just talking about like two weeks late on your period. You are making the United States the most barbaric pro-abortion regime anywhere in the entire world. You can have some minimum national standards, which is my view, while also allowing the states to make up their minds. California is going to have a different view than Ohio. That's totally fine. I want to save as many lives as possible. That's the principle that guides me. You would vote for Lindsey Graham's 15-week ban? As I just said, I think it's totally reasonable to say you cannot abort a baby, especially for elective reasons, after 15 weeks of gestation. No civilized country allows it. I don't want the United States to be an exception. Thank you, candidates. For our next topic, Lindsey. All right, Mr. Vance, this goes to you. Ohio's opioid overdose death rate is among the top in the nation. Here in the Mahoning Valley, Trumbull County is on pace to have its deadliest year yet, with 69 deaths to date. How would you use your role to address this problem? Just the reflex in me wanted to go noise, but, you know, 69 deaths things here and of course Lindsay I know this is such a, a such a tough issue um, I'm a, I've been affected by it very personally and one of the things you know that I, I love about our country uh, is that we're a country of second chances and my mom who struggled with addiction I'm very proud to say she's been clean and sober for seven years I really believe that one of the reasons she got a second chance is because the fentanyl that's now coming into this country, the unbelievable poison that the Mexican cartels are bringing through our open border, it wasn't going around the streets of Ohio at nearly the same level when my mom was struggling with addiction. And that brings me to the the first answer here. You've got to close the border. You've got to finish the wall and you've got to make it so that these drug cartels are not able to use the U.S. southern border as a drug trafficking zone. The other thing, and I, I will say, thanks to Senator Portman, who's endorsed me, uh, we are better on this, but there's still so much work to do. We need to make sure that the people who want to take that first step to treatment and recovery actually have a bed available, actually have a detox center available, and that means properly resourcing our mental health and our addiction recovery services. The fentanyl crisis right now is so bad because Joe Biden and Tim Ryan have not done their job. They have not secured the United States southern border. It is a terrible tragedy. It cannot be allowed to continue, and when I'm in the Senate, it won't. Both of them should be strapped down on the border right now. represent the top county for drug overdose deaths here in the Youngstown region. I mentioned the statistics for Trumbull County earlier. How would you say the federal government is getting the war on drugs wrong? What would you propose to fight it? Well, I think a stronger border, more border patrol, 
I disagree with President Biden when he's talking about relax, uh, relaxing some of the regulations down on the border. Completely disagree with that. Again, taking on my own party when I think they're wrong. I started the Border Technology Caucus. How do we use technology today to be able to keep this junk out of our, uh, out of our country? And we have to punish the Chinese because they know it's getting into our country. We have to punish the Mexicans, the Mexican government because it's coming, it's getting processed there and coming into our country. So we've got to do the security piece. And I was a lead sponsor of, with Senator Portman of the Comprehensive Addiction and Recovery Act, working again in a bipartisan way, because that's how you get things done. You don't take these extreme positions, you work across the aisle. And I will just say, I think it would be a big mistake to send somebody to the United States Senate who started a fake nonprofit to benefit people who were on opiates. And addiction, which is you? what J.D. did. He started a nonprofit and didn't spend one nickel to help anybody. He did a poll for himself, which we still haven't seen the poll, so we don't know exactly what's in it. And he hired a spokesperson from Purdue Pharma. Purdue Pharma was the big pharma entity that were pushing all these pills. Killed a million people through opiates. All the pill mills in southern Ohio, all the pill mills in Ohio and other states, they were pushing it, and he hired somebody from there. And then this didn't end. Like, we've been talking about this all summer long. As recently as Saturday, J.D. was doing a fundraiser with a guy who was raising him money, was one of the top ten pill pushers, doctors, in the entire country. And he just canceled it. You know why? Because the press broke the story, and he got caught with his hand in the cookie jar. That's not the kind of person we want in the United States Senate representing these families. I have a resolution to designate fentanyl as a weapon of mass destruction so that we can have a whole of government approach what? to keeping this junk out of our communities. I also supported money for local governments. In the rescue package, I was one of the biggest advocates for us putting money, state and local money, so that local communities and cops and law enforcement can get funded so that we can catch this stuff on the ground when it does come in. It's got to be a comprehensive plan, designate it as weapons of mass destruction, and don't put somebody in the Senate who started a sham nonprofit to try to benefit from this whole so thing. Let, let me address this. So Tim Ryan has run commercials falsely accusing my nonprofit of me taking money out of it and it not helping people. It did help people when I put $80,000 of my own money, Tim. But you know what? Those commercials are paid for by pharmaceutical blood money but, because Tim Ryan received tens of thousands of dollars <laughs> from the very companies that have profited off of this. <laughs> and that's exactly how he's able to fund the lies that he's been putting on TV against me. But let me, let me address a bigger issue here. So what Tim Ryan said about dealing with border security actually sounds okay, but it goes to the heart of why Tim Ryan has been a failed leader and would be a failed senator. You cannot honestly pretend to be a defender of border security when you have voted for amnesty multiple times in the Congress. You cannot pretend to be a defender of border security when you have voted against border wall funding multiple times. You know, members of Congress get to take somebody to the State of the Union address. And a few years ago, Tim Ryan took somebody to the State of the Union address, not somebody affected by the opioid problem, not a steel worker who lost his job because Tim Ryan didn't do his. He took an illegal alien. His entire 20 years in Congress, he has been anti-border security, and now we're paying the consequences for it. And my simple argument to Tim Ryan or to especially people... Was it like a little green man sitting next to him during the State of the Union? Promotion. Do your 
your job on border security, Tim. Then come and ask the people of Ohio for promotion. E.T. looking alien. I just have a comment there. Real quick. Real quick. I'm not going to take any guff from you, J.D., on this issue. (laughs) This guy has invested into dozens of companies that use foreign workers. This is this is why J.D. Vance, with all due respect, is a fraud. It's not true. It's also very relevant to the opioid problem. He has he has. He wants you to think that he's really tough on on immigration. Really Really tough. tough. On the other side of that, he's actually making money and investing in the companies that hire foreign workers. My little Italian grandmother had a saying for this when she met somebody like J.D. Vance. Due fach. You have two faces. One for the camera and one for your business dealings. Thank you, Mr. Let me, let me address this. This is Congressman Tim Ryan on the left. Let me just 15 seconds. 15 not seconds. We need to move on. Truth. So, so, so here's, here's the thing. He just accused me of hiring foreign workers. The implication, of course, is that I've hired illegal aliens. No, no business I've ever been involved with has ever hired an illegal alien. I, say I honestly don't you. know what you're talking about, Tim, but here's okay. the thing. People like Tim Ryan pass immigration laws that allow companies to take advantage of our country. That's step one. Step two is those companies take advantage of those things. Step three is that Tim Ryan blames me and not himself for passing those laws in the first place. doesn't make any sense, Tim. If you would like a change you, to our visa system, vote for a change. Don't vote in lockstep with your party. Right, thank you you will like a lot of what Tim Ryan has to say, but you will roll your eyes at a lot of shit lib takes. The January 6th House Select Committee held its last public hearing Thursday and voted unanimously. This guy is the coolest motherfucker in that room. Donald Trump and documents he might have. The bipartisan committee made clear that Mr. Trump instigated the January 6th insurrection, the armed invasion of the U.S. Capitol building, to illegally keep Mr. Trump in power. I have two questions. Do you believe that Mr. Trump should honor the subpoena and publicly answer questions under oath from the committee? It looks like he's going to do it. In light of all of the evidence and testimony accumulated by the committee, was the January 6th insurrection an attack on American democracy? It looks like Trump is leaning towards testifying as long as it's live on TV. And as Republican cool, do it. Congressman Ryan, you go first. I, I think that uh, President Trump should be afforded all of the rights that every other American citizen is afforded. He should respond to the subpoena. He should come clean. He should talk about We know that there's been a call from the White House to somebody who was participating in the storming of the Capitol. Um, we should know all this. And if he has nothing to hide, he should come clean and we should figure out what's going on. And I do think that the insurrection was a group of people who were trying to overthrow the United States of America. And I think they were trying to stop the peaceful transition of power uh, from President Trump to President Biden and disenfranchise over 80 million of our own fellow citizens. I think that's absolutely wrong. And in the fact that JD literally raised money. Now there were 140 cops, United States Capitol Police, that were beat upside the head with lead pipes, pepper sprayed, jammed in the doors, beat up with flagpoles, one person died. These are these are cops protecting the Capitol. Right? They got kids, they got family members, and here this happened. So of all the things to do in that circumstance, our guy 
thought it would be a good idea to post Our on guy. social media, raise money for the insurrectionists, raise legal defense money for those people who stormed the Capitol. It's outrageous. Of all the things you could have done, J.D., that's what you decided to do? One of the guys went to jail for four years. Like, we have a group of people that want to overthrow the company and or, or overthrow the country. And one of the guys who talks about we got to let American democracy die is Peter Thiel, who gave him $15 million in the primary, who just today was saying he wants to become a citizen of Malta. Like, what are we talking about here? This is, this is insane. That's a good question. Thank you, Mr. Now, now, Tim Ryan will vote with labor. So you've got to take that into consideration. Uh, Trump honor the subpoena? And secondly, was this an attack on American democracy? So look, I'm not going to pretend to give the President of the United States legal advice about whether he should honor the subpoena. I think it would probably be uh, a pretty enlightening piece of, of testimony if he did honor the subpoena. But look, the January 6th committee has shown from the very beginning that it's not interested in the truth, that it's interested in a political hit job. And it goes back to four years ago, the obsession with the idea that Donald Trump somehow had the island country, isn't it? By the Russians, there's been a nonstop political effort to not honor the election of 2016. And I think that's just as much of a threat to democracy as the violence on January the 6th. Now, January the 6th, I, I think it might be a tax haven. Repeatedly. And Tim talks about absolutely some brave law enforcement officers who did their job and kept the Capitol safe. Of course, the fraternal order. I'm sorry, it's an arpeggio. Because you have stabbed the police Fair of enough. this district and of this entire state in the back many, many times. That's why they've endorsed me. Why won't you <clears throat> condemn the violence in summer of 2020 when people were rioting and looting and burning down American streets? Tim Ryan was nowhere to be found. I'm sure now that he's an running for island or an arpeggio. Willing to condemn it. But look, the January 6th thing is it an is isthmus? Problem that I have. Motherfuckers, get it straight. I don't like violence anywhere. I certainly don't like it at the United States Capitol. But the media obsession and Tim Ryan's obsession with this issue, while people can't afford the cost of groceries, where his policies have made it impossible for people to support their families, where we have a massive border security problem, where we know that big tech companies were actively being involved in the 2020 election in a way that hid Hunter Biden and Joe Biden's corruption. Archipelago. And think about a lot of different issues. And I think the political media's obsession with January 6th suggests they're not actually paying attention to the concerns of everyday voters in this state. From Appalachia. Crushed by the policies that you supported. You know, you can walk and chew. We're, we're a very complicated democracy here. But we can walk and Thank chew you, at the same time. If, some, if a group of people storm the Capitol while well, we're trying to file the paperwork for an election, and, and they're trying to prevent that from happening, and they want to kill the vice president, like, that needs to Arpeggio be... Arpeggio is like a musical like, term. You, you want to sweep it under the rug. Like, I don't want to talk about this any more than anybody else. I want to talk about jobs. I want to talk about wages. I want to talk about... Do you about have to refer to me like that? Me and Tim Ryan are both assholes? You know, dignity... But my God, you got to look into it. They're they're roving around out here in the hallway. Hold on. And Liz Cheney is not a Democrat. Adam Kinzinger is not a Democrat. Liz Cheney's dad was Dick Cheney, 
Thank you, Congressman. Who was Vice President of the United States under George W. Bush as a Republican. This is a bipartisan effort. Thank you, Congressman. We want to move on to the topic of gun control now. Mr. Vance, as recently as 2018, you supported some gun reform measures, including red flag laws, that are aimed at taking guns from people likely to use them in violent crimes, such as domestic abusers. But your position has shifted, and you said that you would not vote for a bipartisan piece of legislation that included those earlier. Now he's gun grabs. Instead, you're more focused on real solutions. What measures or real solutions would you support to reduce gun violence and mass shootings, and would they include any restrictions on gun ownership for anyone? Well, we have to be clear about what we mean by red flag laws, okay? So that's the big issue here. So, look, we have multiple examples just in the last couple of years, terribly tragic situations where a convicted felon has walked in, passed a background check, gotten a firearm, and killed a lot of innocent people. That's obviously totally unacceptable. I'm a big pro-Second Amendment guy. I know a lot of people who really stridently defend the Second Amendment. None of them think that convicted felons who've been afforded their due process rights should be yes. able to buy Oprah. firearms and then kill a large number, a small number of people, okay? But here's the thing. Two issues. One, the reason why we have skyrocketing gun violence... In I don't know that Oprah made him, but like, it, like I think the hillbilly elegy was on the book club or whatever it was in 2016, 2017. We have really, really high rates of gun violence. We didn't have it two years ago. We didn't have it Which five skyrocketed years. him. Nothing changed in the gun laws. So we need to get back to common sense law enforcement policies. The second thing is here, we cannot... We, we need to fix the system that's broken as opposed to layering a bunch of additional regulations on top of it. The thing that I don't like is when you create a new background check system with new sets of regulations that go after law-abiding citizens. When we know the current system is broken, why don't we fix the current system instead of going and creating an Are entire... Are we in for Senator Dr. Phil in the next cycle? You support the Second Amendment, but with that right comes the responsibility to keep guns out of the hands of criminals. What specific limitations on gun ownership do you support, and what would you see as going too far in limiting gun ownership? Yeah, I, you know, here we are in Ohio. One of the great days, at least once a, a year, we try to get out and, and do some hunting uh, with our oldest, uh, Mason. And uh, Mason is a much better shot than I am, and he would probably gladly ad- admit that publicly. But it's one of the great days, you know, where you, you go up. You, you get a Glock. On Sunday, you, you get, get a early, Glock. You go out hunting Everybody on gets a Glock. We have to preserve that culture here in Ohio. It's really important for us to do that. But you can't watch the school shootings. You can't watch the level of violence that we have here and not think we we need background checks, right? We need to close the gun show loophole. We need to make sure that these weapons of war are not readily available. What like would happen in the one community where an 18-year-old just a few days after his uh, 18th birthday, he's able to like stumble into a gun shop and get a semi-automatic it's rifle. sad i don't even know which which shooting he's referring to of, of ammunition if we train a soldier they, and they go out they get 300 rounds this is this is not right and kids are scared to go to school they're climbing under their desks we see the crime in the cities how do all these people get these unlawful guns jd wants to ban the alcohol tobacco and firearms the agency that helps us prevent gun tri- uh, crimes and, and, and tries to solve gun crimes. And he wants to abolish uh, the agency. And here's another example of how extreme J.D. is, right? We talked about the national abortion ban. We talked about he thinks that the election was stolen, which was one of the reasons Trump agreed to support him. Alex Jones, 
a right-wing talk radio show with a huge following, said that the Sandy Hook murders of those young, precious babies in Connecticut, he said it was a hoax. And he went on and on and said it was a hoax. And I've met these families from, from Sandy Hook. Absolutely devastated. You lose a fourth grader to a, to a madman. And this guy says it was a hoax. Our guy, J.D., says this is one of the most credible news sources in the whole country. And he just got convicted. Echo Blugs Media Boo. This Ohio core, that's why the Democrats sound so different, but he is very pro-labor. We are running for the United States Senate. This is the highest office you could get in this country except for president. And he's running around backing these extremists, the most extreme people in the country, a guy who denied Sandy Hook. He's like, no, he's credible. Thank you, Congressman. I mean, you don't have to. I mean, is, it's, just, it's, it's, it's maddening. This is a complete fabrication. I never JD, said that. JD, you're on tape, Tim. brother. You're on tape, I man. I never said that, Tim. You, Go and run the tape and find out exactly okay. what I It'll said. It'll be like 30 minutes, and we're I, all going to know I, you're lying. I, 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 ne- I never said that. Notice that he didn't actually answer the question. Well, I didn't give advice. you a single example of something that would meaningfully reduce gun violence either on our streets My microphone or on our not working. And, Mr. Vance, we have a question about school shootings, please, from Berkshire. Sure. All right. Ohio now has a law that allows teachers and other staff to carry guns onto school property. After On September 5th, Vance said Alex Jones is far is more reliable source of information than Rachel Maddow. School shootings in America. We'll start with you, Mr. Matt. Well, is it the answer? Of course not. We need many, many solutions to find the answer to these ridiculous school shootings. And look, I mean, I've got three kids, a five-year-old, a two-year-old, a nine-month-old. When I see these terrible school shooting drills, when I see, obviously, the actual school shootings themselves, my heart breaks for these kids and my heart breaks for the families. But that means that we need to do things that actually work here. I think allowing properly t- trained teachers to carry firearms can be part of the solution. I think increasing funding police officers can be part of the solution. I think a very, very important part of the solution of reducing crime, both in our schools and in our streets, is making sure, and it sounds crazy common sense, but making sure that we lock up violent criminals. And here's, here's sorry, the thing about, about Tim Ryan. Tim Ryan, when he was running for president, of course, he was a different guy two years ago when he was running for president. He supported ending cash bail. And we know, just in this community, a guy who was let out on nominal bail, who went and got a gun and went and murdered his, his, somebody in this community because we don't have the proper policies in place to ensure the violent criminals go off for a long time. That really is the thing that's changed in this country. It's changed on our streets. It's changed everywhere else. We need to not do radical things. Tim calls me an extremist. (laughs) Ending cash bail is on the far left of his own party, and it's the very sort of thing that makes us... Oh, I would say that's not on the far left. More cash bail for violent criminals. We need to make sure that we're not letting these complete scumbags out of jail because Tim Ryan's desperate to be president. Thank you, Mr. Vance. Congressman Ryan, your answer to Bertram's? Yeah, uh, you know, our guy. Our guy. My wife's a school teacher. hadn't been a school teacher for 20 years. We had three kids go to public school. Um, these school shootings scare parents to death, you know, and, and that's why the Alex Jones thing bothered me so much. Um, and I just believe in watching the videos of some of these schools that it is a very risky proposition to have a, a, a person that's a school teacher trained to shoot in that environment 
with all those kids running around. Like that is somebody who needs to be very well trained up in a lot of experience, quite frankly. Whether you're a police officer or you have some military experience and you happen to be um, at, at that tragic situation that's happening. So I just, I just think it's very, very dangerous to think that, that you're going to have a school teacher shooting into a crowd of kids. And I, I, get, I get the sentiment, for sure, because it's scary. But the question is, in all of these instances, we tried to pass some reasonable gun safety legislation that Rob Portman supported. It was a bipartisan effort. I endorse calling J.D. Vance a ghoul. Like, this was not an extreme bill. This, this didn't close the gun show loophole. It didn't go into background checks. It didn't go into the Charleston loophole. It didn't go into any of that stuff, which I support. But he was against it. It's like, well, if you're not, John Cornyn from Texas is for this. Rob Portman's for this. Strong Second Amendment guys. But he was against it. And this is, we have to come together. You have to find points of agreement here. You're not always going to get your way. And I want to go to the Senate and I'm going to represent Republicans and Democrats and independents. I'm going to promise that I'm going to try to find some common sense solutions. So, so, so Thank you. Can we like just to move say, on, Mr. Vance, please? It's, 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 can we just talk about the mental health side of this, too? J just briefly, and I okay. imagine, frankly, Tim Ryan probably agrees with me on this. Very often behind these school shootings is a person who clearly was mentally unwell, who was not getting treatment, and who was not being ordered into the types of facilities that would prevent them from getting, committing these crimes in the first place. Rob Portman, again, endorsed me, has actually done a lot on the mental health side of the equation. I think that's an important part of ensuring these school shootings do not become more frequent, well, thank, ho hopefully, in the future. Thank you, Mr. Vance. Just, just quickly. Quick, I'm, not, quick. I'm not quite sure why Rob Portman endorsed you because... You don't agree with any of the compromises that he's been able to make in the last year. And mental health issues happen around the globe. This is the only country where we have these kind of things happening. Keep the guns out of ha criminals' hands and thank people you, have mental health issues' hands. Yep, thank you, Congressman. Our next topic, on Lindsay. To policing, Mr. Vance, first question. You have repeatedly argued Book in it. favor of keeping qualified immunity for police and allegations of excessive force, but in light of ongoing instances, such as the death of George Floyd and Jalen Walker in Akron, what measures would you support holding police accountable? I wish well, we I think had there trains. Are right now, in place to hold police accountable, and I've talked to a number of the membership of the Fraternal Order of Police who endorse me, and they will tell yeah, you fuck those there people are a too. lot of things in place that make sure that the bad cops aren't able to continue to do what they do. And of course, the good cops want that, right? The good cops want the bad cops uh, out of the police. Whoa, department. no, no, no. We have proper protections right now to ensure that the police officers who aren't doing their job aren't able to continue on the force. And here's the important thing here. Because of what happened two years ago and because of the summer of rioting and looting that cost... Imagine still licking boots after Uvalde. And of course, 26 people, a lot of them police officers, lost their lives. The effort that Tim Ryan supported to strip the police of qualified immunity is why we have the violent crime on our streets right now. Talk to a police officer and they will tell you they're terrified of doing their job because of what Tim Ryan did. Talk to the Youngstown chief of police who wrote you a letter a couple of years ago and called you a traitor for what you did to the police in this community and the police all over the state. Sir, I can show you the video of a cop that wasn't terrified to do his job. We watched it last night here on this very show. 
that we completely turned the federal government loose on our law enforcement. And the consequence has been streets that people don't feel safe to walk down. Not just true in Youngstown, it's true all over the state. Thank you. And Congressman Ryan, you were criticized for the letter he mentioned to Youngstown's police chief, a letter to Attorney General William Barr that you signed on June 23rd of 2020. It described police brutality and violence as being the leading cause of death among young men, particularly black men, who are three times more likely to be killed by police than their white peers. Do you believe law enforcement protocols need to be redefined in America? I think we need a national discussion. This is clearly a problem. We do have police officers Boy, howdy. Uh, who don't like their job anymore. We have that was clearly an understatement into law enforcement, and that is a real problem. We need more cops. We need better paid cops, and we have to get rid of the bad cops. We also have to understand that there's a complicated relationship between the law enforcement and primarily uh, the black community which means we've got to have a national discussion about this because there are bad cops that do bad things. And I just think that we need to provide the kind of leadership that is needed to start the healing process so we could take the temperature down. Now, I've brought back $500 million to Ohio for law enforcement, staffing, technology, even here in Youngstown, right down the street, shot spotters. I got an earmark for them years ago so that they can identify gunshots in the city and immediately find where it is. That's, those are the kind of investments that we need to make. I also, again, put money into the rescue package to make sure that local governments and state governments have money for law enforcement. Governor DeWine is going around the state passing out that federal money, which I agree with, but it's federal uh, money. And I also have a bill, and this is, uh, this is what I hope is the model moving forward. I have a bill that is a police immersion training bill that has the support of both the FOP and the NAACP. I want to be someone who tries to solve problems. I don't want to keep fighting for another 10 years really? about criminal justice Some reform. Odd bedfellows there. Or any of these polarizing issues. I want us to come together as Americans and have some common sense solutions. And so I will use my position in the Senate to sit down with both the NAACP, the Urban League, and the FOP and say, how can we start working this out? How can we start building trust again? Not someone who wants to throw jet fuel on these fires. This is a consistent theme of this debate and certainly of the entire campaign. Tim Ryan says that he believes in reasonable solutions. Well, Tim, what were you doing on those reasonable solutions in your 20 years in Washington, D.C.? What were you doing at the moment that the lawless people were attacking our police officers? You were joining in and making our streets less safe. The critical issue here is that Tim Ryan keeps on saying he's reasonable, keeps saying that he's a moderate, keeps saying that he believes in things that 90% of Ohio believes, but when he gets to Washington, he votes exactly the opposite way. I went to Yankee Kitchen for dinner about two hours ago. So many people came up to me, some of them Democrats, and you know what they said, Tim? They said, Tim Ryan has been in office for 20 years and he hasn't done his damn job. That's a direct quote from a union steel worker who you represent. If you were half as good of a legislator as you pretend to be, Youngstown wouldn't have lost 50,000 jobs, and those steel workers would not be coming up to me telling me you failed them. Thank you, Mr. Vance. We need to move on. Bertram? Immigration remains one of the most intractable and explosive issues confronting the nation. Coolest man in the room. Igniting the passions of some Americans is called the Great Replacement Theory. The theory says whites are in danger. That's the best questions, too. Non-whites as a majority, 
if the flow of non-white immigrants isn't stopped. Mr. Vance, you have warned of an immigrant invasion, according to a wise story from last May. Who are these invaders? And how are they coming into this country? Well, the primarily way they're coming into the country is through Tim Ryan and Joe Biden's wide-open southern border to the tune of about two and a half million people. And, of course, it's not just the people. It's the fentanyl. It's the sex trafficking. It's all the other things that they're bringing uh, right along with them. But, but, but look, the, the, the Democrats are, look, they're not Democratic with them. voters and Democratic people, but the Democratic leadership, the people he answers to in Washington, D.C., they're very explicit about that. They say that they want more and more immigration because if that happens, they'll ensure that Republicans are never able to win another national election. It's not no, they want workers, you dumb shit. There are, there are white immigrants and non-white immigrants to this country who have enriched this country in an incredible way. I'm married to one. I'm married right. to the daughter of South Asian immigrants, and my life really has been unbelievably blessed and enriched because she decided uh, to say yes when I asked her to marry me. But she came in, or I should say her family came in legally. They followed the laws of this country. And the thing that I worry about with all of this illegal immigration is that if you want to start a relationship with this country, we're all common citizens. We're on a great big American family. We look after each other. Whether you came one generation ago, whether you came 10 generations ago, we're all part of the same family. But your introduction to this country should not be breaking its laws. We you should come in family. through the proper channels. And again, every time he's got an opportunity, he's going to talk about how he disagrees with his party on border security. Go ahead, Tim. But you vote for the amnesty. You vote against the border wall funding. That's what you do. And it's going to destroy this country unless we get it under control. Thank you. Congressman, what is your opinion of the great replacement theory? I think it's nonsense. I think it is grounded in some of the most racial, divisive, racially divisive writings in the history of the world. And this is who he's running around with, talking about replacement theory. There's no big grand conspiracy. This is a country who's been enriched by immigrants from all quarters of the, the world. There's no in the problem. It's shameful for the you danger, to accuse me of that, given the, my family. The danger, it's shameful for you to accuse me. My of that. turn, pal. My turn. Oh, buddy. My your turn. turn. My you, turn. What, what you said? I'm here. I'm your guy. This, this right? great. So. This great replacement theory was the motivator for the shooting in Buffalo, yes. where that shooter had all these great replacement theory writings that J.D. Vance agrees with. Some sicko got this information that he's peddling with. Again, those extremists that he runs around with, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Ted Cruz, all these guys, they just want to stoke this racial violence. We're tired of it, J.D. This kid goes to a, a, a grocery store in Buffalo where black people shop and shoots them up. No, we, we want to move on from that. Everyone's exhausted. That's why I keep saying, I want to represent the exhausted majority. People that are tired of this stuff. Democrats, Republicans, and independence. We have a. So the, we have a. Hold on, JD. Stop no, this is me. this is disgusting. I, I'd like to get. Here, here's more. exactly what happens when the media and people like Tim Ryan accuse me of engaging the great great replacement theory. I'll you were exactly, peddling it. I'll tell you exactly what happens, Tim. What happens is that my own children, my biracial children, get attacked by scumbags 
online and in person because you are so desperate for political power that you'll accuse me, the father of three beautiful biracial babies, of engaging in racism. We are sick of it. You can believe in a border without being a racist. You can believe in the, the country without being a racist. And this just shows how desperate this guy is for political power. I know you've been in office for 20 years, Tim, and I know it's a sweet gig, but you're so desperate not to have a real job that you'll slander me and slander my family. It's disgraceful. Thank you, Mr. Vance. I think, hold on. So Vance is saying he's okay. running for not a real job. I think I struck a nerve with this guy. You absolutely he's struck a nerve. It's shame. He's Normal people, Tim Ryan, JD, when you insult their families, you strike a nerve with normal people. About, I would never talk about your family, J.D. I wasn't raised that way. I would never talk about your family. So right. don't try to spin this because you don't want to talk about the fact that you're with the extremists and that belief, which is grounded going back decades, led to some crazy dude getting a gun and going to a black and grocery it's store. it's disgusting and I've never it's, endorsed it's, it. Jay, it's disgusting. You talk about it's it and you're running around, you're running around with Marjorie Taylor Greene. To believe in a border, okay. Tim Ryan thinks that you endorse the Great no, Replacement see, Theory. It's he, unbelievable. This, is, right, this is what you do. You join Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer calling your own people racist for daring to believe in a I'm border in their calling. own country. This is the game that he plays. All right, thank I hope you. you feel better, JD. Let's refocus. We're going to get to the end of the program. Thank you very much, candidates. Uh, it is now time for our closing statements. Uh, we've run out of time. Ooh, mercifully bring this to an end. <laughs> Great. Well, first of all, uh, thank you guys for watching us. I know the Guardians or the Indians or whatever we're calling them these days are playing uh, Game Five of the ALDS, and we're rooting for them. And I appreciate you guys spending an hour with us and caring enough about this country. Whatever we're calling them these days. My simple argument is, is this, that Tim Ryan's had his chance. He's been in office for 20 years. He's passed five pieces of legislation. Three of those pieces of legislation were in renaming post offices in the Youngstown area. Whenever I'm up here in the Mahoning Valley, I'm constantly approached by people who tell me that Tim Ryan has failed them and Tim Ryan has failed to do his job. I think it's really simple here. We need to go in a different direction in this country. And I make a few commitments to you about what you and your family deserve. Well, thank you for being Number here one. and choosing violence, Corey. Your family deserves to go to the grocery store and not have it break the bank, not have it ruin Tim your Tim Ron did better in the first debate. a nice meal for your kids to have on a Friday night. Number two, I think you deserve a country with a border. And I think you deserve leadership who don't call you racist for thinking that you should deserve a country with a border. I believe that you should be able to walk down your streets in safety. I believe you should be able to take your children downtown for dinner without being mugged or without being carjacked. I believe in Ohio's energy sector and a guy who thinks that we should ban gas-powered cars, as Bernie, as Bernie Sanders and Tim Ryan argued just a couple of years ago, doesn't deserve to represent this great state and most importantly doesn't deserve to represent its people. My argument here is I want you to have a better life. And I think you're not going to get a better life from federal leadership until we take this country in a different direction. Joe Biden has had his chance. Did the policies work? Nancy Pelosi had her chance. Did the policies work? Tim Ryan's on, had man. his chance for 20 years. And I think we need to take this country and this state in a different direction. But to get there, to do anything worth doing, I need your help and I need your support. And I'd be honored to have it. God bless you guys and have a good night. Thank you very much, Mr. Vance. Congressman Ryan, two minutes. We see a lot of uh, important things happen on TV that are culture, uh, culturally related. And people ask me all the time, 
Why do you talk about jobs all the time? What did you say? And I said, let me tell you about my grandfather. My grandfather was a steel worker in Niles, Ohio, for 40 years. He worked 40 days, 40 hours a week, five days a week. And he was able, because he had a good job, he was able to give back. He was the lead usher at 1045 Mass at Our Lady of Mount Carmel Church. He ran the beer tent at the summer festival because he had a good job. And he was able to give back and participate in the civic life of our community. Because he had a good job, he said, you always got to vote for the school levies, you got to vote for the police and fire levies, you got to vote for the library levies, mental health levies, because that's what helps build a strong community, right? That's why we've got to get these good paying jobs back at Ultima, the electric vehicles, the two natural gas power plants, a billion dollars a piece. All of the stuff that we've been doing downtown in Youngstown and more. These communities were boarded up 20 downtown. years ago. We worked hard, Democrats, Republicans, <laughs> independents, to bring economic development back here. And it's a shame that someone running for Senate wants to come to Youngstown and trash all the hard work that we've done together over the last 20 years. And we've got to do the kind of things that my grandfather did, give back, serve, but it starts with a good paying job rebuilding the great American middle class, getting rid of these bad trade deals, cutting taxes for workers, making sure we dominate the industries of the future, manufacturing of cars and trucks and electric vehicles and tractors and batteries, going all in on natural gas so that we can make sure we reduce costs for manufacturers here. We've got a bright future. I've been here my whole life. I never left. I didn't abandon this place and go for higher pa greener pastures in San Francisco and then come back and want to parachute in with $55 million of out-of-state money from the biggest corporations in the entire country, the ones that ship the jobs overseas. I'm here. I'm going to stay here. I'd appreciate your vote. Go to timforoh.com, chip in a few bucks, because we're getting our money from the people, and I will be your senator when I get there. All right. Thank you, Congressman Ryan. And Mr. Vance, Mother Nature must have wanted to see this debate. The game has been delayed. It hasn't started yet. So... <laughs> Uh, Thank you very much for coming up. We appreciate it. That concludes tonight's coverage of the U.S. Senate debate. Again, we want to thank the candidates for being here. And thank you to everyone who tuned in for this very special night. We want to thank the staff at Stambaugh Auditorium for all the hard work in putting this together. Stambaugh. Tonight for 21 News at 11 o'clock, we'll have a complete recap of tonight's. Wait, they did brag about this, uh, the arena this debate was in, didn't they? Or the auditorium. They did a whole package about how awesome the venue was. Oh, shit. Hold on. Like they started off with a whole the thing US about Senate how awesome the venue off. was. Moderators, 21 News anchor Derek Steyer. But then look how hokey it looks. For the endorsement and support. <laughs> They're like, this awesome venue we're in. And they're just in front of a curtain with, like, the shittiest podiums we've seen this far of any debate. And we just, the C-SPAN debate that we watched from Utah right before this, it looked like it was filmed in the 70s. <laughs> it's been a fun night of debates. We started off with the Georgia gubernatorial debate with Stacey Abrams and Brian Kemp. We watched that live. The TV station hosting it had some technical difficulties at the start of it. We picked up right after the opening comments. Then we were going to watch the uh, debate with J.D. Vance and Tim Ryan, but it was not posted on online just yet. 
So we actually watched the Utah Senate debate between Republican Mike Lee, who kept walking away from his podium. That is Senator Mike Lee, the incumbent, kept walking away from his podium and getting in the space of the independent challenger, Evan McMullen. All three of these debates tonight were very uh, contentious been a fun night of debates. I did look over the news briefly to see if there was anything important enough that I need to cover before we got out of here. There's not really. There's not. Tomorrow night we're going to be watching another debate. Uh, It is Val Demings, the Democratic challenger in Florida. He's going to be debating Marco Rubio, the Republican incumbent in the Florida Senate race. We're going to be watching that tomorrow. I don't exactly, I don't think I have the time on that. So keep a lookout. We might be coming on an hour early if that debate is at 7 o'clock, which it probably is. See if I can find that real fast. This will be the only debate in this Senate race. It's going to happen at 7 o'clock, so we're going to be on an hour early tomorrow for Val Demings, the Democratic challenger in the Florida Senate race against Little Marco, the Republican incumbent. Also on tap for this week, we're going to get Michael Bennett, Joe O'Day, Michael Bennett, the Democratic incumbent in Colorado, taking on Republican challenger Joe O'Day. Senate seat, that is one that... Doesn't look likely that Democrats will lose, but it could be in play. That is going to be happening on Wednesday. Also, possibly we'll get a debate between Catherine Cortez Masto and Adam Laxalt on Thursday. That one's been up in the air. So that's what our debate schedule looks like for this week. If you are watching on Twitch, let's go find us somebody to raid. Uh, let's go hang out with it is it is my buddy Patrick's birthday Patrick J Creates is doing his birthday stream right now is a fantastic artist do go in, tell him happy birthday, go ahead, light one up, tip one back. It's all right to have a little fun before you hit the sack. I'm Justin Freakin. We will see you tomorrow night. Troll Patrol live starting an hour early with the Demings-Rubio debate in the Florida Senate race.